Hey guys, this is Frank Decker, and you're listening to Submission Radio. Hey, this is Rich Franklin. What's up, everybody? This is Chris Lieben. This is Diego Sanchez. Randy Couture. Alice Overing. Hi, this is Stefan Bonner. This is Don Fry. Hey, I'm Phil, Mr. Wonderful Davis. DJ Dillashaw. You're listening to Submission Radio. Submission Radio. Submission Radio. Submission Radio. You're listening to Submission Radio. Welcome to Submission Radio. It's the 23rd of August, episode 136. Dan Shkarev here with Kasper Ozolowski during McGregor Mayweather Fight Week. That's right. It looks like, Kasper, this fight is finally going to happen after all the build-up, all the talk, all the press conferences. It's actually going to happen. We've got a really fun preview show for all the listeners today. I'm so excited. We have a slew of sexy guests on this program, a whole bunch of people to speak to, a whole bunch of opinions to listen to. I'm pumped, man. We have Bas Rutten, El Guapo himself, returning to the program. I mean, we always get Bas Rutten on the program, but what what better guy to speak to, have a fun chat about this Mayweather-McGregor fight? I'm excited to hear his thoughts, see what he's doing for the fight. Where, where does Bas Rutten even watch fights? Never found this out, so a lot of fun things from Bas. Uh, Luke Thomas, you're all familiar with his work from MMA Fighting, The Luke Thomas Show. The UFC 214 press conference. You got a lot of airtime there. Uh, he's coming onto the program. Obviously, very, very well respected analyst. He's going to be breaking down this McGregor Mayweather fight, talking about some of the media aspects as well. We've got Adam Lobov joining us, fresh from the McGregor crew, the preparation team 2017. He's been kind enough to join us on the program and uh, give us a little bit of insight just days, moments away from the fight. So, we really appreciate that. Dave Meltzer is going to be joining us. Obviously, another guy from MMA Fighting and, of course, the Wrestling Observer, the man in the know when it comes to pay-per-view numbers. And also, he's covered the sport and many sports and big, iconic moments for such a long time. Curious to hear what Dave Meltzer has to say. Tommy Toehold returning, as he always does, on these big, fun preview shows to give us a dose of hilarity and laughs and see the lighter side and, of course, get you excited for this Mayweather-McGregor fight. But that's not all. We've got more guests, don't we, Dennis? That's right, Cass. Some news came across our desk just before the program started, so we added a very, very special late inclusion to the show. Damon Martin is going to join us on the program to talk about this John Jones controversy. As people would have seen by now, he failed his drug test, or allegedly failed his drug test, UFC 214. Things are being figured out right now. We'll be giving our thoughts, our reactions, and Damon Martin's going to join us and give our give his thoughts and reactions, as well as a very cheeky little McGregor Mayweather prediction. So I wonder where our buffet buddy sits when it comes to the big fight this weekend. Stay tuned. You guys will be able to find out at the end of the program. And also a quick reminder that there will be an extra episode of Submission Radio. That's right, a post show featuring Sean Sheen. That's going to be dropping early next week. So make sure to check that out. It's going to be coming out Monday, Tuesday here in Australia, Sunday, Monday there in America. So make sure to check that thing out. It's going to be a lot of fun Sean Sheen like I said joining us on the program it's going to be a hoot and a holler breaking down what happens this weekend I'm Mm. sure a few controversies and fun things happening but Casper you mentioned it it's a big show it's a sexy show it's a packed show it's a crazy week in fight sports in general and we've got our first guest on the line Casper you're about to introduce him all right, guys. Our next guest is a longtime friend of the program who needs very little introduction. Of course, he's a UFC Hall of Famer, UFC heavyweight champion, multiple-time king of Pancrase, host of the wildly popular podcast, Rudin and Ranella. It is a pleasure to welcome back El Guapo Bas Rudin to the program. Bas, welcome back to the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm here at the East Coast right now. We're shooting a new, uh, for, for Kevin Can Wait, a TV show on CBS here. 
and um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the third episode. I'm going to go home a week, and then I'll be back for three weeks in a row. So it's going to be fun this year. Oh, man, it's exciting times. We're also pumped, you know, and so happy to see you getting more and more roles on the show. We also saw on Instagram that you've been enjoying some singer beer and Thai food, which you said is your favorite food. So, Bas, are you prepared to go on record and say singer is Bas Rutten's favorite beer? I don't know about that. I mean, because, you know, there is a beer out there. It's called Sticky Monkey, and it's from uh, from Firestone. Hmm. And that beer is the best beer you ever had. Now, if you're a cigar smoker, if you that combination with that beer, you've never experienced a beer like that. But let me tell you, a small bottle costs $11, and that's retail. Mm. So it's not even in a bar. So it's it's very expensive. It has double the amount, well, more than double. It has 12.6%, and there's another version over 13.2% wow. alcohol. In it. So one bottle or two, you're good for the whole night, trust me. And they're little tiny bottles, but that together with a cigar, that is really amazing. Either if I eat Thai food, I couldn't eat uh, eat that because that's like almost a meal by itself. It's yeah. so rich, you can't explain it how how it is. But uh, yeah, with Thai food, Singha, I like it because it has a bite. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's different beers. There's beers you have with dinner, and then there's beers when you go out and, and, and basically get smashed. And it's good that Sticky Monkey's a, a little bottle, so you can sneak it into places. I'm just curious, what what is the ultimate Thai dish in your opinion? Because, uh, you know, we do a lot of curries, we do the lab guy. What What is sort of classes Bas Rutten's favorite food? You know, the, I do the Kai Kipau, which is the, the ground uh, chicken with basil and... and, and Basil leaves, that, that's for somehow, I, 80% when I go to the Thai food place, I always take that. I always take spring rolls, I always take uh, as appetizers, and then, uh, you know, what is a chicken uh, satay, mm. we take that. And then sometimes I need noodles, like uh, the spicy monsoon noodles, I really like those. And those great soups that they have, you know, the Tom Kakai and Yom Kam Gai, you have all these crazy soups. The coconut soup, the Tom, Kam Gai, uh, Tom Yom Gai, that's, that's, that's the best one. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's been a lot of food for thought. You like what I did there, Bas, for <laughs> MMA and boxing fans all over the world the last few weeks with Floyd Mayweather taking on Conor McGregor this weekend. Before we get to the fight, we have to ask you your thoughts on the buildup of this thing. I mean, there's been some people who felt it's been a little bit too much, while others think it's on track to be the biggest fight pay-per-view of all time. Where do you sit on this thing? You know, I it's I, I love anything McGregor does, you know, and, and I would really like to see McGregor win. And and do I know he has, almost doesn't have a chance? Yeah, of course I do. Now, come on. There's a, a guy who only boxes. He never fought a professional boxing match in his life. Got right away going against a guy like Mayweather. We, we all know the drill, you know. But I'm telling you, Connor's going to knock him out. He's going to knock him out within four hours because he said so. And every time when he says so, he's pretty much always on the money. So I'm going to trust him this time. I'm going to say, you know what? I want you to knock him out because that would be the best thing ever happened for MMA. And if he would lose, it would never be a bad thing for MMA. You know, but the other way around... Oh, that's that. That's a big, a big no-no for Mayweather. Mayweather going to have an insane amount of pressure. It's better to fight a world champion, somebody, a world, other world champion boxing. I use the example always. You know, I was going to face uh, Kimo Leopoldo in my last fight, and he got tested positive for steroids like three days before. Mm-hmm. So they called this new guy in, 265 pounds. Big guy, Indian guy, and uh, and Don Fry just called me that day. He said, "Listen, I hit him with everything I had, and I couldn't knock him out. So be ready for a plan, plan B." I said, "That's all I got to cover. Don't worry about it." But you know that that moment, 
I rather I would have rather fought Fedor and Emelianenko. This was in 2006 <laughs> when he was still on top, yeah. the, the, the high. And uh, then then to fight this guy because anything can happen. If the guy makes a stupid backfist, a weird move, and they have a little cut above my eye, and they can stop the fight, and I'm going to lose the fight. So I rather lose against the world champ. Then, you know, to have somebody that it's like fighting a girl. That's what I've been saying. You know, Mayweather, if he wins, well, he's supposed to win. If he loses, it's a really bad thing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be crazy. I feel like a lot of people they they're being seduced by this this you know this this aura of, of of Conor McGregor, the belief from not only him but his coaches as well. It's pretty fascinating. In terms of the fight, are you sort of expecting to see a, a sort of more MMA version of of uh, you know Conor's skill set? I'm not talking about obviously kicks and elbows or anything like that, but are you expecting to sort of you know play with the rules and and, and push him to to the boundaries and sort of go in there and, and and try and make it a really dirty fight? Not not dirty as in illegal, but, you know, really bring the fight to Floyd and, you know, maybe use a lot of the clinch and things like that. Well, you know, I, I think on close range, I think Floyd is very dangerous. I think that uh, uh, McGregor should use his reach. He should go in the attack. Floyd always needs three, four rounds to, you know, download all the data from his opponent, and then he starts really boxing. So before those four rounds, and that's why I believe that Conor also said, I'm going to knock him out within four rounds. They know this, you know, so they, they're not going to give him time to adjust. It's going to be crazy footwork. He's going to make these crazy moves. They all imitate him with these crazy things that he does in the uh, in training and everybody's laughing about it but listen if you have a guy standing in front of you who starts doing really weird angles just think about Sakuraba was he the best striker on the planet no he was not really good submission guy though but the craziness that he did the, the double Mongolian do, judo chop whatever mm -hmm. they call it all these things to distract your opponent and then go in for the kill. And that's something that I'm kind of hoping for, together with the pressure that uh, Mayweather is going to get, and then hopefully he can land a nice, clean left hand. We've seen that Mayweather said um, that in this fight, he actually plans on coming forward. Of course, we understand this is all promotional talk, and he's trying to sell as many pay-per-views as possible, but do you actually anticipate him doing it You know, in any stage in this fight? Well, every time when Mayweather gets really pushed, you know, against like for Canelo also, then you see him really shine. He, he is a safe fighter. He li he doesn't like to lose. He, he rather fights not to lose. He doesn't really want to stop somebody. The last time he stopped somebody, was, that was nine years ago or something, right? It's a long time ago. So I, I, I don't know. If that's not in you, I wouldn't do it. And especially if you didn't do it over the last so many fights, because then you're not used to it. Fighting and training are completely two different things, I always say. You know, so you have to keep that separated. You, you want to do what you normally always did. Yes, you can add some new little techniques and new combinations, but you, most of the time, you, you know, where you feel comfortable with, that is what stays with the fighter. So if he suddenly gets out of that comfort zone, that could be a problem. And, and, and with McGregor, if he makes it a dogfight and he goes very close, he should really watch out. You know, I remember Ricky Hatton getting knocked out. Oh, that could probably be the last knockout with the check hook for Mayweather, mm. which was really nicely done. So, and, and that happens when you come too close to him. So he's really good in the, from close distance. But McGregor, you know, should use his reach. And hopefully because he's also taller, has a little extra more reach and keep him on the outside of the strikes. Mm. I'm curious because obviously McGregor's team, they, they, their plan is to go forward, you know, for, for Conor to sort of chase him around, stop him. Coach Kavanagh said that he believes this thing's going to finish in the sixth round if if Mayweather's sort of moving backwards and in the first if he moves forward. But 
Do you believe that Connor is prepared? If if Mayweather did move forward, do you think that the coaches and the battle plan is ready to deal with the Mayweather that moves forward? Because we've seen Conor McGregor get hit a lot in the past. And do you think a defensive game plan is a part of the game plan as well? You know, yeah. Listen, McGregor is a really good counter striker, you know. So I I, I think he kind of almost, well, look what happened to Jose Aldo. Right. I mean, it, it, and if, if suddenly uh, Mayweather is going to decide to do this as well, well, he's going to be ready for that. I'm pretty sure, you know, that it's a smart team that they have. I, I, I'm pretty sure they have fighters who back up and they have fighters who constantly attack. There will be a lot of shark tank exercises in where they get every like one minute they get a fresh opponent. And every time the opponent is a little different. And of course, you have fighters in there that mimic Mayweather and they take care of all that. But, you know, you also have to bring a fighter in there who's suddenly going to bring it to you because you never know if Mayweather actually is going to be right and he's going to push the fight. So, you know, knowing his his camp and what they did now until this far, I, I, I think they uh, they will cover that as, as far as they could, of course, because what has it been, uh, a year training maybe less for a professional boxing match. So we'll see. Hmm. We also want to ask you about the gloves, Bass, because you're a good man to ask. We all sort of thought it was, you know, just talk when Mayweather mentioned he'd be happy for, for you know, the fight to be contested in eight-ounce gloves. And then, and then it happened. And in some ways, it's making people more excited for the fight. It's a good, you know, selling tool. It kind of seems like a... Sneaky promotional move from Mayweather. You know he's he's done it in the past, but are, are you expecting this to really change or have any effect on how this fight plays out? No, the only no, not quite impact. I, I I truly believe that that almost stays the same. I did this uh, sports science thing where we hit it back. Mm. And, you know the penetration is a little deeper with a smaller glove, but the impact is it's virtually the same. It it doesn't really make a big difference. But what doesn't make difference is, is that if you have bigger gloves, you have better protection. You know, you, you can close the space in front of your face easier than with smaller gloves. Smaller gloves leave holes also in where they still can box through. So I think that is the problem with smaller gloves. Not the impact, but it's just, you know, it's easier to penetrate through the, uh, through the defense. And it's interesting that you bring that up because we put that up on the Submission Radio Facebook this week. We found it very, very interesting. There's been a little bit of blowback from a lot of people in the MMA and boxing community when they watch that video. A lot of people aren't really buying into those findings. What did you think when you heard sports science sort of bring you that information? Because a lot of people still believe there's a huge difference between the MMA glove and the boxing glove. Yeah, but the, the, there is none. The, you know, it, it's it's about proven now. If we, if we have to go back all the way now again till, till 93 and start talking again, oh, the glove is invented to protect the hand, not the head. You know, we're really going to have to repeat that all that we did for 23 years now or 24 years. People should know by now that the glove is there to protect the hand and it's not there to protect the head. That's why they invented it, because bare-knuckle boxing was not good for business, because you had a champion who broke his hand the whole time in his in his fight, a title fight, and then he couldn't uh, defend the title for six months. And that's why they said, we got to come up with something in order that, that, they, that their hands stay okay. Oh, let's, put, let's make some gloves so they can't break their hands anymore. So once you ha- understand that concept, then you realize that, you know, a, a clean fist and, and an MMA glove or a boxing glove, it's... It's not a lot of difference. And to tell you the truth, a body shot, I think with a bigger glove, probably might have more impact. I know it's not penetrating, but it covers way more surface. Mm. I mean, you're the man to talk to when it comes to striking. I just want to go back to McGregor's training for a second. I mean, the big question remains, in the limited time that he's had, and you know, you mentioned how 
he's only maybe had under a year to get ready for this whole boxing thing. And we've seen, you know, boxers that have so many amateur fights before they even turn pro just to get used to being in the ring and get used to a lot of the rules and moving around in there and being at their best when they actually turn pro. And there's certain fighters that have huge amateur careers before they're able to go pro. What do you think is the biggest hurdle for McGregor to pick up when he's switching over from MMA to boxing? Is it going the 12 rounds? Is it being able to change his mindset about the striking and the technique? Is it is it you know just the little things like getting re- used to the ring and the shoes and the gloves and the defensive techniques? What do you think is the hardest thing for him to pick up during this time as he's making this transition over? I don't know. I don't know if it's a hard thing. In his mind, you know, he already won, and he's you know I I think that if he would box a match. And then he would lose the boxing match. And if he feel, you know, and he feels dramatically, if that would happen, then the second time when he's going to box, that's going to be a complete different experience. Now they know what to work on. He didn't have that experience yet. And smart enough, he didn't have, because if he started fighting amateur and he would lose there, it was never going to be interesting to fight Mayweather. And now he's going to make $80 million and maybe, maybe even more if he makes that. Stamina-wise, I, I, listen, I didn't train for seven years and uh, I, I decided yes in 2006. I said yes to come back for an uh, for for an, uh, an MMA fight. So I started training, and I had nine weeks to train. And I was a lot of these weeks. I was injured as well. But the first thing that I could do was 12 rounds of boxing, easy. Compared to MMA, you use way less energy than you use in, in mixed martial arts. The kicks are bigger muscles. Your core is constantly flexing because of the takedown defense and the and the crazy movement that you have and the takedowns and you know all that stuff that starts really messing with your core. Your core starts bloating up, you know, filling up with lactic acid, and that's why your lungs cannot completely breathe in anymore. That's why you get really tired with MMA. People go like, "What is this?" Well, it's a very simple thing. Do do you ever do pushing and pulling exercises? This, let let's say do 25 uh, bicep curls, and then right away you do uh, whatever 25 for bench presses and then you do a let's say 100 sit-ups and now spar one round that's what you have in fighting once it goes to the ground and it stays on the ground for four minutes you go back up that's exactly how you're going to feel because now you've been pulling on the ground the whole time that is what submissions is pulling 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 and then once you get up suddenly you have to push 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 again so you work working way more muscles than you work with any other martial arts and that's why i believe that he's not going to get tired yeah we know he had stamina problems and especially against ds you know but once he started pacing it was okay still in that fight there was the the threat of a takedown and the threat of a takedown just a threat you know if, if if diaz just makes a move to go for a takedown you're already flexing the core again because you want to be ready for that takedown defense you know to stop the takedown so still there you have you have to use your core once you're in boxing you don't have to worry about knees about kicks about all that stuff the knees to the body i mean again it's your core attack and again will hurt you in the stamina business he's not going to have that here as well so mayweather if he will be smart he would bring the close the the fight close and i would start attacking the body as hard as i could that's actually really interesting because uh, and yeah obviously Mayweather's body shots are a big factor but I, I know a lot of people sort of look at it and think oh if Conor McGregor is going to be dangerous he's going to be dangerous in those first few rounds I know Farah Sahabi was talking about you know the um, the death touch the Conor's left hand and how after a few rounds it's still a powerful shot but it becomes more like a, a regular shot it's it's not the kill shot that it is in in sort of the early rounds and then yeah, of course he referenced the, the Nate Diaz fight where he sort of relied on, on leg kicks to sort of finish off the fight 
somewhat strong. But do you, do you still believe that Connor could be dangerous in in the later rounds? And if if you know does get to the later rounds, he can still have some success. And and if it does get to the later rounds with Mayweather, a guy who's obviously got so much experience in, in pacing himself in in those fights, that Connor may find success. You know, even even at the end of the fight. No, yeah, you know, you, you hit it on the mark there. It's, it's not going to win on decision. You know, if it goes to a decision, Mayweather's going to take this fight. His output's going to be way more. You know, he's going to outbox him then, and then he gathers points. The only reason, the only way for McGregor to win this fight is to knock him out. And hopefully he can do it within the four rounds, because the longer the fight takes, yes, it takes a little bit of the steam out of the power. And, you know, but last time with, with Diaz, we saw him walking away from him, you know, like people say, oh, he's running. No, he's actually very smart. Well, well, just run away, dude. Make sure you don't go to the ground. Catch your breath, catch your breath. And then started well, he started to come back again in the later rounds, you see, with, with big shots. So if he can dose it, you know, make sure that he doesn't unload and go for four rounds only, yeah, then... Um, yeah, see, now, now I start thinking about uh, something else as well. Now I'm starting <laughs> to think, what if the trainer, what if they said, you know what, we're going to work, we're going to train for five rounds. We're going to go five rounds as hard as we can. That'd and then hopefully we can knock them out with those five rounds, right? And if it doesn't go, well, then we're going to go lose a decision or maybe even he's going to get stopped. But, you know, sometimes a game plan like that against the slow starter like Mayweather, that could be a very good game plan. That'd be that'd be insane, right? All or nothing, live and die by the sword, kind of like a kamikaze game plan. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what what what's sort of the most curiosity, uh, the, the the biggest curiosity for you? What's the biggest curiosity factor? What's what's other than sort of you know who wins and who loses? What are you most curious about when it comes to this fight that you want to find out on uh, on August twenty sixth, boss? What's what's the one thing that you're sort of scratching your head about and thinking, I, I have no idea what the answer to this is or how this or certain aspect of the of the fight is going to play out. Yeah, I, I, I think what all the boxers say. All the boxers, well, pretty much all of them, you know, Tyson Fury, he's from McGregor, of course, because mm-hmm. he's from the same mm-hmm. island. But they all say, say that McGregor is not even going to touch him. So that's what I'm wondering about. Can McGregor touch him? Can he, can he touch him once? Can he touch him twice? Can he touch him more? Because as soon as he does start touching him, that means that everything they said is now down the drain. You know, so... That's the thing. And, and also, and, and this is going to do something mentally to, to Mayweather as well, because if everybody tells Mayweather that he's not even going to be touched and suddenly you're in a fight and boom, you receive a big left hand. Well, wait a minute. That was not supposed to happen. And if there's only a little and a minuscule amount of doubt that you plant in your mind, that could go really, really wrong. So, you know, I hope that they... Uh, that Mayweather thought by uh, to himself, you know what, he will hit me. Because I think going into the fight thinking that you absolutely are not going to get hit, and then when you do get hit, then you, you, you're breaking your own mind. I don't think it's a smart thing to do. Do you think there's any chance that that actually happens? Obviously, Max Kellerman famously said that McGregor won't land a single strike. Do you think there's any chance that that happens and it's just... McGregor doesn't even no, land a punch? No, uh, to me, it's not. To, to me, it's not. I, I truly believe that he does can land some shots. So when I read that, when people say, oh, he's not going to be able to land even one shot. Well, it's maybe possible if he gets knocked out right away, of course, mm-hmm. and then, then he didn't land a shot. Mm-hmm. But I think if it goes a few rounds, I, I guarantee you he's going to land a few shots. And if not, then I'm completely wrong. And uh, But, you know, I, I, I raved enough about the skills of uh, Mayweather because he is, you know, he is, he is a phenomenal boxer, and we know that. But, you know, to say that you cannot be hit, I don't know. I, that, that to me is just, 
I've seen too many crazy things. You know, think about mm-hmm. this as well. You know, all from I, I was talking about it today. If you have ten fights, uh, from ten fights, and you take um, uh, where from ten main the last ten main events, every time where the uh, where one of the fighters was injured, and then they had a last minute replacement, let's say two weeks before the fight. I guarantee you that more fighters uh, who are the last minute replacement win than the other person. And the reason they win is because there is no losing. If they lose, everybody was suspecting them to lose anyway. They didn't train. They didn't have a training camp. But if they win, you see what I mean? So they go in with no fear whatsoever. And that's what McGregor does as well. He says, listen, I'm going to leave it all out there. I'm going to win anyway. I'm going to make an insane amount of money. You know, I'm fighting out of my style. You know, what do I have to lose? Why don't I just go 100% full at it and see where the ship uh, strands? And, and, and that's what I think he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And let's just have some fun and say McGregor does win. What does it mean for boxing? What does it mean for the UFC? And what does it mean for sports in general? Um, you know, that means that uh, everybody, it's, it's very simple. Anything can happen on every any given day. Any best boxer, any best mixed martial artist, everybody, you know, and, 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 and people telling, and I have to be honest with this as well, like people say, uh, you know, with Mayweather uh, fights MMA with him, he, he's not going to have a chance, he's going to get demolished. Really? I don't think so. Is Connor a super guy, a good, a good wrestler with takedowns? I, I didn't see that yet from him. Takedown defense and the striking, yes, he's really good. But if you do not have a perfect takedown and you're finding a guy with incredible footwork, well, look what Holly Holm did with Ronda Rousey. You know, she's just moved around, moved around, and she's avoiding the takedown. So I don't think it is that easy. Now, if if, if an, uh, um, Mayweather would fight a Chad Mendes or, or, you know, or, or anybody, a really good wrestler in the same weight class, yeah, I'll put my money on the good wrestler because he will take him down 100%. You see what I mean? Because that's it's it's a different kind of technique. That's a specialty. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because I guess with MMA, I, f- I feel like even with Connor's, you know, even if he's not an, an elite grappler, he could take Floyd down and, and sort of do whatever he wants with him. But I guess the question is, would he want to, or would he feel like he's to- sort of taking the easy way out? So I don't know. That that'd be an interesting one. Let's as we let you go, Bass. Let's get the official prediction. Because, wait, 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 yeah. So one second, because you said what would happen? Uh, that, that for what would happen if McGregor would win? <laughs> I think that's a whole line of boxers. Uh, wanting to fight McGregor when that happens, and then McGregor the next fight, if that he's going to make 120 million dollars, that's when he really is going to rake it up. So if he knocks somebody out, and then he, can you imagine? You know, I, I know it's a complete different weight class, but just a little higher. But Triple G or Canelo, you know, the winner from that, <laughs> that would be insane. But now, you know, now we're daydreaming. Yeah, I, I feel like if, if if the money's on the table, he'd 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 take any fight, regardless of how you know likely or unlikely it would be for him for him to win. Um, but, but I mean, hey, if he, if he goes in there and knocks out Mayweather, anything's possible, right? Um, as as we let you go, Bass, you mentioned at the start of the show that uh, you think that you, you believe that Mayweather wins, but then you also mentioned that you believe Connor wins because uh, because you know he 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 believes in himself so well. So what what is the official prediction? If you had to sort of put it on paper, what's the official prediction? How do you see it going? Connor's gonna knock him out within four rounds. That's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna stick with wow. it. I want to put my power with Connor. And, uh, and I know, skill-wise, and I know all that, trust me. I've been fighting for a long time. You can call me an idiot, whatever they want. I'm mm-hmm. just talking about all the mental aspects and everything there is. And if me 
committing to corner give corner is going to give him a little bit of extra power mentally <laughs> so be it i hope a lot of people are going to do it because boy do i want to see a maver to lose that's it pause send the positive energy towards conor mcgregor and the other important question and this is what everybody's really excited for the setup how are you planning on watching this who are you watching it with because it's going to be a hell of a spectacle and a interesting day for the world who's who's going to be tuning in you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have a good friend of mine. He has a really nice uh, home stereo system and everything. And uh, I'm, I'm flying back. I'm shooting a show here right now in, in, in New York, as I said. I'm flying back on Saturday. We'll arrive around 3.30 in the afternoon and then go straight home from home, take a shower, go to my friend's place with my wife and uh, some other friends. And uh, we're going to have a great time over there. We're going to watch it, all of us together, outside, smoking cigars. And maybe drink a little sticky monkey beer. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> We thought it would be a little bit like Here Comes the Boom, where you, you you catch it in there. You know, since you're over there shooting Kevin Kenway, you know, you can you can you guys could shoot. I thought you, you and the cast would be you know hanging out, watching it all together. So um, it sounds like a great time. That you know, you always got to have a friend with a good stereo system. That's why I'm lucky to have Casper as well. And guys, <laughs> make sure to check out the huge fight this weekend, August 26th in the US and 27th here in Australia. Make sure to follow Bass on Twitter and Instagram at Barster and MMA. Catch him on CBS's Kevin Can Wait. And of course, make sure to go to BassCBD.com for all your CBD oil supplies to cure those aches and pains. Bass, once again, thank you so much for coming on to the program. We're excited to see what happens and I'm feeling those positive vibes, man. I'm feeling those positive vibes. That's it. That's it. I'll keep sending it out. That's what we need to do. This is Chael Sonnen, and you are listening to Submission Radio. All right, guys. Our next guest is one of the most respected analysts in MMA. You all know his work on MMA Fighting and Sirius XM, where he hosts the Luke Thomas Show Mondays through to Fridays, as well as his great podcast, The Monday Morning Analyst and Promotional Malpractice Live Chat. He's also a regular on the MMA Beat. He returns back to Submission Radio to help us preview this Mayweather vs. McGregor fight. He is Luke Thomas. Luke, welcome back to the program. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, boys, for having me. Yeah, the pleasure is ours. And congratulations and kudos on putting together such an excellent preview and breakdown edition of the Monday Morning Analyst. I mean, the experts that you brought on were terrific and provided an enormous amount of insight. What was the process like to kind of put that all together, and how hard was it to organize so many high-level experts? It was hard, man. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> I'm really glad you guys liked it, and I don't really don't. You know, I normally say, oh, listen to my podcast, but I don't really recommend an episode. Not because I'm ashamed of it, but because, you know, it's just sort of standard course of work. But I was proud of this one. And, of course, it had nothing to do with anything I um, said in terms of analysis. I punted to the people who know much more than me. And, you know, some people complain that there were four MMA guys and two boxing guys. It is hard to get boxing guys to talk about Mayweather McGregor and to do so in good faith. You know, it's not, it's not very easy. So... Um, I tried to get the best I could with the resources I had. I edited it all myself. I'm self-taught with that. And wow. So, uh, I, I appreciate you guys watching it or you know, at least taking note of it. And Yeah, it was hard, man. But I think in the end, the big, the big insight there is like everyone's like, oh, there's nothing to learn from this fight. Well, look, there's a lot of farcical elements to the fight. But there's always something to learn, and that's sort of what I, what my central focus was with that. Oh, absolutely, and and we'll get to that in a moment. I'm just curious, what was the biggest, almost interesting thing you learned from that panel, you know, of experts and the insider on, on the fight? I imagine a lot of it you would have been across already. But was there anything anybody said, and you were like, "All right, I didn't really think of that," but that's an interesting point. 
I just think that a lot of this focus, because, you know, we're MMA guys, that we focus on Floyd, and that's fine. Or, excuse me, focus on Connor, and that's fine. You should. I mean, that's, that's really, you know, he's much more part of our world than Floyd. But Floyd is a person, and Floyd is an incredibly successful person. He might be a bad person, but he's a talented person, and he's an experienced person, and he does things a certain way. And I feel like one of the lapses in coverage has been all of the things Connor is, is going to do. And I'm not saying any of that is wrong. I think all that has its place. I'm totally in favor of it. But I felt like in talking not just to the boxers, but to the MMA guys as well, I got a sense about Floyd and the way in which he competes and what, what makes him tick and why he's so talented. Mm. Um, you know, and why this is such a big challenge for, for Connor. Uh, I think that was, to me, uh, you know, learning about Floyd uh, is something I don't think a lot of the coverage has done. And I hope that people got out of that what I got out of that. So. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Floyd's an interesting enigma. And, I mean, look, the experts did a great job of presenting ways for both men to find some, if not a lot, of success. <laughs> Funny question here, but did it sway you at all in terms of how this fight may play out? Uh, no. Um, no, not exactly. It certainly made me a little bit more intrigued, maybe. It certainly made me think, you know... Um, I, you know, look, I basically think that you know Mayweather's going to win. I think most reasonable people think that way, and none of that changed. However, on the other hand, do I think the first four to six rounds could be interesting? Sure. And in what ways could they be interesting? All different kinds of ways. I actually feel like that part is, you know, there is something to, again, there's something to be learned here. There's something to be gained from this. Uh, you don't want to oversell it. I don't know if it's the most revelatory experience of our professional lives, but at the same time, I'm curious. And in that curiosity, there's a little bit of pure enjoyment. Absolutely. I think curiosity is sort of the big thing that's creeping up uh, among sort of even even the most cynical people, not not to say that you're one of them, but even the most cynical people I'm seeing sort of break and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty curious about this. I'm, I'm wondering, Luke, what would surprise you about this fight? Is there anything that you've completely ruled out or, or would there be a sort of certain outcome that would be completely shocking to you? Uh, either a knockout either way. Mm-hmm. Um, if Floyd gets knocked out brutally, that would surprise me. If uh, Connor gets knocked out brutally, that would surprise me. A win either way, I don't know, but but certainly that dynamic would be. Um, I, I, I don't anticipate that, to, to put it mildly. Then, based on your analysis and talking with the experts and studying tape, what is the most likely scenario or scenarios that you're expecting from this fight? I'm expecting, again, first four to six rounds to be kind of interesting. Beyond that, uh, I think Floyd's going to step on the gas on him. And stepping on the gas, uh, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to look. could be a little bit boring, but my conventional belief is it'll look something like that. Um, but I, 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 I just expect that to be the most likely outcome is boredom through skill and applied game plan. Hmm. It's interesting hearing some of the experts. I'm not sure who it was, whether it was Dan Hardy or someone else in, in your, your breakdown, your preview, where they were talking about the clinch, where Conor McGregor could potentially, you know, get some advantages in the clinch and, and, and use that to wear on Floyd. But then you kind of think about whether Conor would really want to play the long game with a guy who's used to going 12 rounds. I'm just wondering, are you sort of expecting some controversy on fight night as Conor attempts to, I guess, push the boundaries of the boxing rules and implement a sort of more unorthodox style with lots of clinching, possibly, you know, dirty boxing, and maybe even some disguised trips. I saw Farah Sahabi was talking about some sneaky trips that he could potentially implement that might not sort of 
come up on the radar of a boxing referee? Uh, I think that's absolutely possible. What I'm expecting and what I'm anticipating is, look, I mean, I've talked about this before. The reality is when MMA fighters cross over into, uh, you know, subject matter experts, so jiu-jitsu, wrestling, kickboxing, or, you know, some kind of striking, Muay Thai, something like that, um, I think they do make things interesting, right? Early on, they, have a, they do have a different style. They do have a different rhythm and shot selection and strategy. They do things differently. And so I am expecting some uniqueness out of that, and, and, I, and I'm expecting some of that to be successful. You know, people who think Connor's going to go in there and look like I was fighting Floyd, I don't, I don't buy that, you know. I'm, I'm, again, I, I'm fully anticipating um, Floyd will win, but I do think those first, Connor's saying his first, you know, two to four, maybe six rounds will be his best. I think what you're going to see is eventually Floyd overcome that. But I think you're going to see at different intervals. I'm not saying for full rounds. Don't misunderstand me. But in certain scenarios, in certain moments, in certain applications, struggle and have to overcome that struggle. Um, Floyd, even when Floyd beats good guys, he struggles. It's not like Floyd goes in there and just blows everyone out round by round. Um, so I, I'm fully expecting that to happen. I'm wondering, Luke, if uh, there is a chance there that Connor does somehow during the fight early on is able to get through to Mayweather and is able to hurt him even mildly and and sort of put on put more damage on him than we've seen in his career. Do you think that's a win for McGregor? Because Mayweather's fought the best of the best, and still, very rarely have we seen him hurt hit in a position in a dangerous position in his fights. Yeah, I mean, there's a win, I don't know. I, I look, there's a lot of ways for Connor to save face here or to come out ahead or to look good. Uh, and again, whether that to rock him potentially, just to land a few big shots, to make him work, to make him fight off the ropes. I mean, you can imagine a number of scenarios where Connor could do something really effective, and maybe it's not effective enough to win or even effective enough to drop him, but it's effective enough to, to be noticed. Uh, and sure, I think you absolutely can take something with that. And I think, I don't know what that's going to be. Is it going to be from the big left? Is it going to be from certain angles? Is it going to be that? You know, I don't know. But again, let's, you know, let's, I think we have to have managed expectations about this. You know, Lloyd is an, an amazing talent. And one of the things I got from talking to all these boxers is I don't feel like they know Connor very well. And to me, that kind of tempers their analysis. But they definitely know boxing better than anyone else in MMA. And that's, that's an obvious thing to say, right? Boxers know boxing better. Mm-hmm. But you just have to really consider what that means. There's a certain specificity and appreciation they have that we don't understand. And when you begin to take notice of that, um, you just begin to see. I do think Connor's going to have a couple moments here where it's going to be pretty great. I just feel like in the end, uh, skills win fights. And I don't. It's just hard for me to imagine you can shortcut a career in boxing and then be, beat the best guy at that. It's just, it's just hard for me to believe, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. And at, at this, you mentioned this at the start of our chat, and you also at the start of your preview video, you mentioned that you know, despite people's cynicism, there, there are actually a ton of things to learn from this fight. In your opinion, for you, what are the biggest lessons to look out for in this fight? Other than, of course, the result itself, what are the biggest questions in your mind that you're looking to have answered on August 26th or 27th here in Australia? Uh. Yeah, I mean, look, John Kavanaugh saying, I expect this guy to go in there and completely dominate. Now, you expect a coach to say nice things about his students, but they're saying things like he's not going to last two rounds with eight, with eight ounce gloves and the one last past four rounds with uh, 10 ounce gloves. What do these guys know that we don't? You know, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm not saying that, that uh, in a way that um, they don't know anything, but it seems like they are on to something. Maybe. I'm curious to see what their game plan is. I'm curious to see what insights they have on him that either other boxers have missed or not have missed, but not have fully appreciated or been able to fully execute a game plan around. 
You know, we know these guys who make excellent game plans in MMA. Let's see how far that carries over. And so is there something to be said for having a different eye and seeing different things? Maybe, maybe there is. Um, I'm looking to see the ingenuity of Connor's game plan, and I'm looking to see the application of the full breadth of Mayweather's skills at age 40. It's going to be very fascinating to watch. And, I mean, this whole thing's been a roller coaster ride as far as build-up and coverage. Leaning into the fight, there's some good, some bad, some hilarious takes. Skip Bayless overall. <laughs> what do you think about the build-up and the coverage of this fight? How did it compare to your expectations going in? Uh, I guess it matched it in the end. I mean, it, you knew it was just going to be ridiculous, and it was. You know, and it was just to say there haven't been some redeeming parts about it. This is why I wanted to do that podcast the way I did it is because so much of this was built on the Malinaji feud, which I get it's, it has value. Mm. So much of this was built on this, that press tour, which I get it has value, but it got lost somewhere along the way that like these two guys are going to fight. What can we reasonably learn as students of combat, unarmed combat? What can we learn? What can we learn about both guys through that process? What, what is on, what is at stake here? What can be measured? What is, what is really interesting about it? There's always something interesting about a fight. I feel like especially one of this magnitude, that doesn't mean there's not things farcical. It just means there are things that are good, and we should focus on that. Mm-hmm. If you had to name a couple, what do, you, what do you think were the best and the most cringiest moments throughout this build-up? Anything Skip Bayless is cringy. Yeah. Uh, the last two tour dates of the uh, the last two tour dates in Brooklyn and London were cringy. Um, um, just a lot of you know, I, I like very much Max Kellerman, but he's like Connor Wantley and Glove, cringy. A lot, you know, I say the cringiest thing. Uh, if you want to pick McGregor, it's fine, man. I, I don't agree, but, hey, I don't know what's going to happen on Saturday. I don't have a crystal ball, you know. Um, maybe he does go in there and shock the world. Like, crazy, this is a crazy game we play, uh, or at least observant of. Um, but the people who are picking him based on shit like, you know, Connor has an aura about him. <laughs> you know, you're not, even, you're, not, you're not even making a boxing argument. Yeah. You know, um, the, if, you, if you notice, there's a lot of people being like, you know, he just sees these things and he calls it and he'll just, he, he wills it into existence. Yeah. That's not a boxing argument, man. You know, I want to hear a boxing argument. That's what you want to be making because that's what he's going to be up against on August 26th. Yeah, and I mean, this thing's such a huge magnitude. Is there anything that sort of surprised you about the media or something that stood out to you about the media in the lead up to this fight? Anything that you didn't expect? Uh, no, I mean, nothing really. I, I thought everyone kind of filled the role that they were going to fill. The people who hated it boycotted it. The people who found it weird kept it weird. The people who loved it expressed it as such. MMA embraced it more than boxing. I was a little surprised to see the boxing media so vociferously against it. Maybe that caught me by surprise a little bit. Um, but in the end, I understand that too. They're sick of Mayweather. They could be right or they could be wrong, but they don't see this competitive. And ultimately, they just didn't fit in. But more or less, I thought everyone played the role that they were supposed to play. Right. So let, let's talk about stakes. How much do you think is really at stake for Connor in this fight? I mean, it, it seems yeah. like he's predominantly won in terms of, say, money and publicity. What exactly is at, at stake for him? And, and what does he have to lose from this fight? Because initially, we kind of thought if he goes in there, gets embarrassed or loses badly, you know, it, it, it's hard to imagine these casual fans saying, hey, we want to see more of that. We want to buy UFC pay-per-view. But seeing his, um, I guess the way he's he's transcending uh, you know, MMA and becoming even more of a star, it almost seems like people are going to follow him no matter, you know, where he goes next and, and, and what he does. What do you think? I, I think it really depends entirely on the fight's complexion. You know, again, are there ways to save face? Yes. Are there ways to succeed? Yes. There's a lot of ways this can go well for Connor. Does he lose badly but knock Floyd down? Does he lose badly but also hurt Floyd? 
Does he lose badly and get stretched and not hurt Floyd? Does he get stopped early? Does he get stopped late? Does he go the distance but show a good jab? Does he just do something to hang your hat on? I think as long as it's something, good movement, good cardio, the expectations are low. So all he has to do is surpass expectations, and there's a way to salvage this. And that can go in a number of different directions. Um, and so I think he can. As far as his future, again, it depends on the complexion of the fight. If he wins, oh, my God, the world's his oyster. If he loses badly, it's right back to MMA. If it's something in between, God only knows, because we know there's a market for a Malinaji fight, plus many others. So, really, he has a lot of options. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, and I feel like I feel like it'll be a lot more exciting times if McGregor wins. But I guess we'll have to watch the fight to see. Luke, we really appreciate your time. We know that you're at the Dana White's Contender Series right now, and I believe the fight's going to be starting any second now. So we'll let you go, guys. Of course, don't forget to follow Luke Thomas on Twitter at L Thomas News. Check out his podcast Monday Morning Analyst, the promotional malpractice live chat, the Luke Thomas Show on Sirius XM Monday to Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and of course, check out the Monday Morning Analyst with all the great experts, Luke. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for jumping on. Thank you, boys. I really appreciate it. Really, thank you so much. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, and you're listening to Submission Radio with my two favorite mates, Dennis and Casper. What's up, fight fans? I'm the James Tony versus Randy Couture boxing versus MMA matchup of mixed martial arts, Tommy Toehold. And the big one is going down this weekend, the biggest fight of all time. Conor McGregor is going to box Floyd Mayweather. Some of you want to vomit, you're so disgusted, and some of you probably need to go change your pants, you're so excited. However you feel about it, chances are you feel some sort of way. And whether this ends up being the greatest sporting event of all time, or a sad, shameful moment in human history that we all look back on with deep and sorrowful regret, it's gonna be something that's for fucking sure. And I have a feeling that whether you're into this thing or not if you're listening to the submission radio podcast the greatest goddamn show in the sport you're probably going to check out this insanity in some form or another so here are five things to watch out for this weekend during maymac number one the possibility that we're going to see the biggest upset in sports history are you fucking kidding me guys if conor mcgregor manages to beat floyd mayweather despite the odds being closer than ever now and despite a ton of money being put on conor this is without a question the biggest upset in the history of sports. If Connor wins, it's going to be like Tom Brady beating LeBron James one-on-one in basketball. It's going to be like all 12 Rocky movies combined along with Rambo 3 and Die Hard. It will be a moment in time that people will remember for the rest of their fucking lives. And if you miss that shit, you're going to be that one guy who wasn't watching because you thought the whole thing was stupid. Well, now you're the stupid one. I mean, the prospect of the greatest sports moment in history occurring is worth 100 bucks alone. Holy shit. Number two, there is going to be some mighty fine people watching. Watching. Given that this is the biggest sporting event in the history of all time, there are going to be a fuck ton of celebrities and shit sitting around the ring. I'm not talking about the cast of some new show that came out just so they could get promoted. I'm not talking the usual fight fan celebs that we see pop up all the time. I'm talking fucking A-list. I don't go out in public because I'm too rich to have to do that kinds of celebrities. Jay-Z and Beyonce are sure as fuck going to be there. Will Tom Hanks be there? He fucking should be. That man is a national treasure. Speaking of national treasure, Nick Cage could be there. Imagine Imagine if Connor wins and Nick Cage runs into the ring to celebrate with him. You're gonna pass that up? You're seriously gonna pass that up? How fucking dare you? The number three thing to look out for, the fighter entrances are gonna be the craziest shit you have ever seen. Guys, we have seen Floyd Mayweather literally walk out with clowns before. Fucking clowns. Boxing is not like MMA. They just let these motherfuckers do whatever they want. And if Floyd is going all out, you know Connor is going all out. Will Floyd come out on a unicycle built from diamonds and rare paintings? Will Connor float into the arena on a cloud while the theme from Dragon Ball Z plays? I 
have no fucking clue, but I can guarantee you that they're both going to do something absolutely ridiculous, and it's going to just be the best thing ever. Sports are absolutely insane as they are. Millions of people are watching some people play games in their pajamas. It's fucking dumb. Add in entrances that are so over the top they belong in a cartoon, and it's going to be a fucking blast. I'm telling you, fight fans, the number four thing to watch for, the people around you while you're watching this fight. Unless you're going to watch this thing alone, chances are you're going to have family, friends, and distant relatives you forgot you even had swinging by to watch the big event. And seeing as they watch combat sports once a decade, they're going to say some of the stupidest shit you have ever heard in your life. And while that sounds annoying, it can actually be a lot of fun. You know why? Because they're going to be looking to you as the fight expert to tell them what is what. And you can just make up the dumbest shit in the world and they're going to believe every single word of it. Why is Connor switching stances? Well, if he doesn't switch stances, his feet are going to catch on fire. Why do they spit the water out? It's not actually water, it's vodka that they use to sterilize the wounds in their mouths. So they spit it out so they don't get drunk. Say whatever the fuck you want, they're really not going to know the difference. And the final thing to watch out for during Maymac, utter disappointment. Look, this could be a fight for the ages, this could be the best fight we have ever seen in our lives, or this could be 12 seconds long with a flash KO by Connor, or this could be 12 rounds of Floyd winning via his usual boring ass way. Obviously the prospect of Connor winning would be huge and insane and everybody would lose their fucking minds in excitement, but you still only got 12 seconds of fighting. And if Floyd wins this thing in boring fashion, you have over 30 minutes to regret your purchase. I'm not saying the fight's gonna go either one of those ways, I'm just saying mentally prepare yourself going in and then be pleasantly surprised when it goes some way you weren't expecting. Either way, you would be a fucking idiot to turn this fight down. Is it insane? Of course it is. Is it ultimately meaningless? Hey, so is everything. Bottom line, this thing is gonna be a fuck ton of fun however it shakes out, and I'm gonna be right there to watch it all go down, and I know you will too. Those are my five things to look out for. Thank you guys so much for having me on. See you Saturday, fight fans! Hey, this is Jimmy Manuel. You listen to Submission Radio. All right, guys. Our next guest does amazing work with Wrestling Observer and MMA fighting. A legend in his work, both in pro wrestling and MMA. And fresh off his appearance in the UFC 214 Submission Radio Mahogany Lounge, it's a pleasure to welcome Dave Melter back to Submission Radio. Welcome to the program, Dave. Um, how are you? Very good, very good. Still, uh, still, still pumped from our chat at UFC 214. Really enjoyed that with you, and we're great that you're so kind that you've been able to come on and uh, discuss obviously this Mayweather McGregor fight. So let, let let's talk about it. Obviously, a wild week for fight fans around the world. From your perspective, has there ever been a fight on this magnitude before? I guess we'll find out on Saturday because um, it's it's hard to really judge this. Um, I mean, financially. I think it's going to be the biggest of all time. I mean, it'll probably almost surely be the second biggest if it's not the biggest. So um, possibly it's, I mean, it's like, it's hard for me to say this is going to be bigger than Ollie Frazier or something like that from a historical standpoint, but mm. from a financial standpoint, just because it's, there's so many things have changed in finances. Um, I think there's a pretty good shot. I mean, I, I think that this thing, if you add up everything, I think it do, it could do $700 million in, in total revenue, which is, you know, it's a mind-boggling number. It's interesting that you mentioned Ali and Frazier because we're going to mention that. I mean, the war was stopped for two hours so that fans could watch it. And that's pretty. That's a pretty pretty crazy uh, thing that happened. I think a lot of fans have forgotten or don't really know about that. I mean, you, you mentioned it before, but do you think there's any chance it kind of gets to that kind of level? Um, no. I, I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, I guess I should wait until Saturday, but... I know that a, a few days before Ollie Frazier, and I was a little kid when that happened, it felt, that felt much bigger than this, you know, if I'm going to do that comparison, or, or, or Ollie Foreman felt bigger than this. 
but modern fights, I mean, I, I mean, I kind of charted interest in Mayweather-Pacquiao in this fight, and this fight is, is trending ahead, you know, as far as that type of thing goes, if you, you know, look at, like, just, no, you know, normal interest level. So, so it's, it's gigantic, you know, it's definitely gigantic for the modern era. It obviously may not have been super exciting, but it was obviously a massive fight back in 1976. And according to sources, it'd be broadcast to 34 countries. Oh, you mean Ali, 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 Ali Sorry, yeah, Ali Anoki. Let's let's talk about that one because obviously that was huge in 1976. Broadcast to 34 countries around the world to an estimated audience of 1.4 billion, which is just surreal. Are, are those numbers accurate? And how, how massive was this? I don't fight? I don't know. That doesn't sound accurate to me because it wasn't that big in the United States at all. It was very big in Japan. Um, you know, it it probably reached um, you know 55 million people in Japan, but it wasn't that big outside of Japan. So I don't, I don't, that, that number sounds, I mean, Ollie was big and all, but I don't know, um, that, that number sounds pretty high. I mean, many boxing journalists sort of see Ali's fight with the Nike as one of the, they think, biggest lowlights of his career. Is it possible that when this is all said and done, McGregor or Mayweather may have sort of a similar effect on their legacy? Um, because it's a boxing match, I don't know that it's going to really hurt uh, McGregor's, I mean, Mayweather's legacy unless he loses. And then it'll have a huge effect on his legacy. As far as McGregor, that's hard to say. It depends on how the fight goes. Um, if if um, if he fights, gets embarrassed, never fights again, yes, it'll hurt his legacy because he'll go out that way. But I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that if he if he has a bad fight, I think he'll come back and fight in MMA, and um, it'll just be looked at as well. He tried boxing, and you know, I mean, that happens. I mean, uh, you know. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of kickboxers and wrestlers that, that tried boxing and didn't do very well in boxing, and it doesn't really affect their legacy in their own sport. Mm. I mean, you know, obviously it, it, it may be a long shot. We're not necessarily expecting the McGregor go in there and, and win, but if he did, you mentioned obviously it would affect Floyd's legacy negatively. What do you think that would say about Floyd's legacy if McGregor was to beat him? I mean, it would be a huge embarrassment in the sense he went 49-0, and 0 and he's, you know, I mean, I think... It hasn't really been pushed, uh, but this is like, you know, if, if he wins this, he kind of does break that Marciano 49-0 record going 50-0. And it's and some people, I mean, and even to me, I'm thinking like, you know, if you're going to break the record, you know, break it with a real fight, not mm. a joke fight. But mm. whatever you say, I mean, that you know, that record, if you look at that record as being, you know, and it's held up for 60-plus years, you know, it's, um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, but... Um, yeah, if he would go out forty nine and one, um, I mean, he still, you know, he still proved his, himself during his career. I guess it just would, you know, it would probably be viewed as well. He just got old, but it would still be. I think boxing people would would, in some cases, would go like, but he lost to a non boxer, so it would be a neg- it would be a big negative for him. Yeah. You mentioned earlier in the interview that you know this uh, Pacquiao um, and Mayweather fight that this fight's trending better than that one. How are you feeling about pay per view buys for this fight and? What are some of the last-minute factors that you believe will be important in getting this fight to possibly break the record? Um, it's just a weird thing as far as, like, momentum on that day. I mean, I know it's going to be big, but it's how, how, how can you can measure it? I just remember, like, Mayweather-Pacquiao got just gigantic that day in the sense that, you know, to get 4.5 million buys, 4.6 million buys, I mean, it was one of those things where everybody was talking about it, and it became one of those things where a lot of people, you know, so many people ordered it at the last minute because it was just kind of like, well, it's 100 bucks, but do I really want to miss this? 
And I guess when it was over, they probably did wish they missed it, but <laughs> that's what happened. And will that happen in the same you know, numbers that happened two years ago? It's impossible to say. I mean, the thing, if we had a bunch of fights that were doing three and four million buys, I would go, okay, like, this will do four million buys. But we only have one, and which is Mayweather-Pacquiao. The record before that was 2.46 million, 2.45 million. So it's like this one record. You know what I mean? I think it's like, it's like somebody breaking a record by almost doubling the old record. It's, it's mm-hmm. mind-boggling what happened that night. Now, that tells everyone, you know, when, when they did those numbers, that's one of the reasons this fight happened was there was so much money in that fight, and there was the thought that, well, this fight can do the same. And, and maybe it can, but if it does, let's say it does 3 million buys, it's still like a giant success. It would still be the second biggest of all time. But because people are talking with this 5 million number, um, that, that 3 million will all of a sudden be disappointing. And, 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 and again, I don't know. I mean, um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be huge. And, you know, I mean, like, yeah, if you're looking at indicators right now, it should beat that number. But, but that number was just so ridiculous of a number. So theoretically, from, from what you know, from your, what you what your insight is, and you mentioned the indicators, it is technically trending to be bigger than Mayweather Pacquiao, right? Even if it doesn't necessarily yes, it is. end up. Yes, it is. As of as of um, I was looking the num- I was looking up a bunch of numbers um, a couple of days ago when, when I was doing an article, and um, essentially when you compare the names, which is what I did at, at the at the same points leading to the to the both fights, um, the. Mag- the Mayweather name is about nine to ten percent ahead of what it was during the same day during the same period days leading to the Pacquiao fight. So it's a little bit ahead, but the McGregor name is way ahead of the um, Pacquiao name. You know, like um, I, I forgot what the number was, but it was over ten. It was it was it was bigger. You know, it might have been like fifteen percent. So if you look at that, as far as what people were talking about at that point with the same amount of days before the fight, yes, this is trending a little bit bigger. Let me ask you this: Who do you think is the bigger draw in this one? Because obviously, with Mayweather, Pac- not, be- yeah, believe it or not, I believe the bigger draw is, is McGregor. Hmm. Um, even though Mayweather is the one getting the lion's share of the purse because he's the one with proven track record as a draw, but I, I see, you know, I see this fight as being bigger to MMA fans, um, and you know, all the betting is is coming in on um, McGregor, and. When I, I, I actually haven't tracked Mayweather versus McGregor. I, you know, I could look that up and actually you would kind of have an idea. And I didn't look that up. But, but my gut tells me that it's um, that the actual draw, I mean, it's both of them. They both needed the other one. Mm-hmm. But I think the bigger draw right now is McGregor. I just want to go back to the price point. I mean, you mentioned the $100 price tag for the Pacquiao Mayweather fight. Do you believe that the price tag in America, the $100 for this fight, will be a deterrent from, for some people from ordering it? Do you think it's a little bit too high? I think that a lot of people are looking at it and going like, God, it's so high. And I think on Saturday afternoon they're going to go, but I don't want to miss it. Yeah. So I don't think it's a I – thought, I thought it was a deterrent in Mayweather-Pacquiao, and I think that was completely proven wrong. So I don't see why it would be a deterrent two years later. When, when, because the fights, it's a similar big fight. People still see it as like a big time event, you know. And you go in there and you you invite five, six friends over. It's only sixteen dollars, and at that point, you know, that's that's not really that much to see that fight. Yeah, yeah. And you know, on an interesting note, here in Australia, the price tag is actually fifty nine ninety five uh, Aussie dollars. I'm just curious, Dave, if you know why have other markets such as Australia brought the price down, and who sort of ultimately makes that decision U- on these prices? UK is way down. I think UK is um, like twenty five in the UK and thirty two in Ireland. Yeah, and I think it's just 
the feeling of, of what the market will bear. I think that because of Mayweather-Pacquiao succeeding at 100, the feeling is, is that the U.S. market will pay 100. I think the feeling is the Australian market and the U.K. market won't pay 100 or even close, and that's why they're getting it at a lower price. Mm. And right now, from everything that you've seen, what do you think is the maximum ballpark figure that Mayweather and McGregor can possibly get from this fight? And do you believe that Mayweather may surpass the money that he made from the Pacquiao fight? Well, I think it all depends on the pay-per-view. I'm guessing his cut is similar. So if it does better, I think he'll do better. Um, you know, from what I've heard, I mean, the, the, the numbers people were talking about were, what was it like um, 200 from Mayweather and maybe, you know, um, was it like 80 to 100 for McGregor and then 40 to 40, 40 plus for UFC, you know, and, and again, if it goes over 5 billion buys, those numbers will all increase and, and the more it goes over. I mean, I, I, I know, you know, there's people talking about it way beating 5 million. I don't, I don't know if that's even possible to do that, but, but, um, you know, I mean, the thing, like I said, it could do 3 million. I still consider it a big success and it's still going to, you know, even at, even at 3 million, you're talking about a one day take of, of $500 million worldwide with, with everything that's going in. And, um, you know, 3 million does sound like a low number, um, but you know, I mean, so yeah, um, I don't know. I, 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 you know, like I said, um, but that, but then if it's 3 million buys, he won't make close to what he made for the Pacquiao fight. Mm. And really three million is only a low number, you know, compared to a, a lot of the expectations and relative to that. Uh, I want to ask you, Dave, about, you know, the, the, the ticket prices and sort of the ticket situation because currently the cheapest ticket on the secondary market to see the fight is uh, 1,500 uh, US dollars. While while that makes it, you know, one of the most expensive combat events, mixed martial arts or boxing, that, that Ticket IQ has tracked over the last eight years, demand isn't nearly as robust as promoters would have liked a few weeks ahead of the of, of the last Vegas mega fight between Mayweather and Pacquiao. The cheapest ticket was 4,000, more than double the current prices for Mayweather McGregor. Why do you think that is? And is this a sign of sort of, I don't know. I, I guess I guess it trending differently. Maybe the promoters feeling like pay per view sales not living up to expectations. And and what did you sort of make of the tickets being sold in Costco? I know that was a a big discussion uh, not too long ago. Yeah, I think you know I think that they were expecting an immediate sellout, and that didn't happen. And and really, everyone who wanted to buy tickets pretty much bought them right away. You know, as far as the primary market went, the prices were real high. I think that. Um, you know, one is there were way, way, way more expensive tickets. They weren't more expensive overall, but there were way more of them available. You know, this is a bigger building than the last one. Mm. And that, you know, because they did sell, I mean, like, I think if it was 17,000 plus right away. And that's, you know, essentially that's, that's more than Mayweather and Pacquiao sold. Um, but Mayweather and Pacquiao theoretically would have probably sold this building out, which this fight isn't doing so. There is there is the the idea that to the the the, the MMA fans are not used to thirty five hundred dollar tickets and the MMA fans are carrying this fight on pay per view is is the is the belief more than the boxing fans, but the boxing fans are used to paying those ridiculous prices for the live event and you know Mayweather Pacquiao was bigger to the boxing fans this is bigger to the MMA fans for sure and but the key is the general public and a hundred dollars. Which is not which is not something that, that you know really reflects on how much interest there is in boxing fans and, and MMA fans. It's general public fans, which is the harder to measure. 
And obviously, this there's a lot on the line going into this fight. I mean, we've seen some huge stars when it comes to pro wrestling, when it comes to fighting. Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, you know, Hulk Hogan, a lot of big names in the past. But if McGregor is successful and he beats Mayweather, what does it mean? Does, In your opinion, is there a chance that he becomes the biggest star that fight sports has ever seen? Biggest, biggest probably since Ali or Tyson, for sure. Um it's hard for me to see anyone being, being bigger than Ali because that was he was such a big cultural figure. Mm. But, you know, he's also 29 years old, and that type of legacy is something that grows, you know, even when you're out of your prime. I mean, like, Ali at 29, was he was Ali at 29 as big as McGregor would be if he wins this fight? I don't think so because Ali really started, um, you know, I mean, I think the Ali as this almost godlike figure started after the Foreman fight, which was after his skills had declined. You know, and, and the same thing with McGregor and almost every fighter, their drawing power peak very often and their, their popularity and their name appeal peak is after their prime. So um, you almost have to look at them at the same age because, like, one of the things when I was looking at is, is if you think about it, um, compared to Pacquiao and compared to um, uh, Mayweather, at the same age, uh, McGregor's way ahead of both, way ahead. I mean, that's the thing. And, and so, in theory, he should continue to grow and surpass them. Of course, to do so, he's going to have to continue to win at a, at a you know, win most of his fights and things like that. Um, he's not. I don't know that he's bigger at the same age than Tyson was, but Tyson fell apart uh, when he got older, and I don't know that McGregor's going to fall apart like that. I suppose he could, uh, but but probably not to the same degree. Um, so yeah, it's it's you know this fight's a big big part of it though. You know if he wins, yeah, if he wins, it's. Um, you know, I, I would I would say because it's it's a guy coming from a different sport and and all that I, I would I would say he'd be bigger than anything but Ali if he if he wins this fight yeah wow and you know with a win sort of let's talk stakes if if you're looking at McGregor's future what's the no brainer move is it a rematch with Mayweather and make you know pretend, not not necessarily double the money but you know similar if not more money and and be the A side or is it challenge against somebody else in the boxing world and and maybe put a UFC return on hold because he can potentially make more money in the boxing world. What, what, what do you think? I think if he wins, I think that he's going to do like a big name boxer, whether it's an Alvarez and Alvarez is probably the guy that's probably the fight. I mean, if you think about it, because then you have Mexico against Ireland and, and um, I, I just think that that would be a, a gigantic fight. I mean, if he loses, I could see him boxing Malinagi, you know, because at that point, that becomes a viable fight, and there's the, that grudge there. It wouldn't be as big a money fight, but it would still, I think that it's gotten so much publicity that I think that that would be a, a, a pretty big fight as well. So I think, um, I think that he's probably not going to be doing MMA, I mean, um, for a little while. I mean, at some point, who knows? Who knows what will happen? I mean, you know, he may just... If he, if he, you know, he may just go home. I mean, if I had that money, uh, I wouldn't fight anymore. Why? <laughs> but, but you know, you don't. I don't know how he ticks. And, and the thing is, is that, um, you know, there's still a lot of money left for him to make. So that's the other, the other thing. Even if he loses, I mean, he's got, he's, he's built up his name so much, he's still going to be a bigger drawing card. Unless he just completely has a horrible fight, he'll, he's still going to come out of this as a bigger drawing card, even with a loss, as long as it's not a, just an embarrassing loss. I'm just curious, why not a rematch though? Why not a rematch with Mayweather? Because you would think if Conor that, that McGregor beats Mayweather, what... yeah, I, I was going to say well, that, 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 that depends. That depends on the fight. If it's a super exciting fight and it's a close decision, mm. yeah, I could see a rematch for sure. 
Um, but it depends on how the fight goes um, and what, May, what Mayweather wants. I mean, Mayweather this, has been saying this is it, but, you know, boxers say that all the time. Fighters say that all the time. So who, who knows? I think, all the, I think all that depends on the fight. If it's a really boring fight, um, you know, and, you know it's, it, the, the, the dynamic will be completely different for everyone. I mean, if it's one of those things, I mean, we've seen bad fights. If it's one of those things where, you know, come the day of the fight, they both, they both freeze, you know, or, or, or they just have a boring fight or Connor freezes, you know, then who knows what, what people will want. But, but, you know, so far, Connor's never froze under pressure. So I'd like to think that, that he probably won't this time either. Do you believe that, you know, if Connor does lose, do you believe that the Molinaji fight would be a bigger fight than if he had the third fight with Nate Diaz back in the UFC? Uh, it depends on how the fight goes. Um, if he's competitive and, and, and looks kind of good in, in the boxing, yeah. Mm-hmm. If he looks really bad in the boxing, um, then maybe the Nate Diaz fight would be bigger. But this is new. I mean, Malinagi's new. It's not a third fight. So, I mean, I would – and it's fresher. Uh, but, you know, it all, it all depends on how O'Connor boxes uh, in this fight. Mm. And obviously a lot of questions are going to be answered this weekend, but I'm, I'm just curious, what are you expecting, Dave? What do you, how are you expecting this fight to play out? Um, and, and who do you think... Who, who do you, I, <laughs> you're wrestling with it, aren't you? No, I mean, it's, I, I think, you know, you've got to go with the idea that, that um, you know, that Mayweather's going to win. That's the logical thing you would go with because of the records and and the experience and everything like that, that Mayweather will probably, you know, light him up and, and, you know, win late, probably by stoppage. That's what you would think. But, you know, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to see Mayweather losing this fight. But people do get old. And, he has, you know, I mean, that, that does happen. So it's, I suppose it's possible. What, what's the biggest... You know, there's always, there's always, and there's always, you know, it's a fight. There's always, a, I don't want to say fluke, but there's, there's flukes. You know, I mean, he can get hurt. There's, you know, like, you know, his knee could go out. That could be a fluke. He could get caught, which is not really a fluke, but anyone can get caught. I mean, Connor, Connor hits hard enough where he can hurt you mm-hmm. if, he, if he lands. And, and Mayweather blocks almost all of his punches, but it only takes one great punch. So it's always, there's always that possibility. I'm curious, what is sort of the biggest curiosity factor for you in this fight? Because I feel like even even the people that feel like Mayweather are going to win, there is that part of them that are curious about what Conor McGregor brings. And really, the big questions are more surrounding McGregor, because we we know what Mayweather's going to bring. He's, he's proven time and time again, but really, as far as McGregor, everything surrounding him is a question mark. Well, what are you most curious about to find out on, on the night, Dave, other than the result itself? I, I don't know. I think that we, you know, I don't, I don't really have like a thought of what I'm looking to find out. I just have a curiosity of how this all plays out. And, you know, I mean, it, it can play out so many different ways and, and how it plays out is, you know, is important in two different sports. It's an unprecedented event. I mean, I don't think there's ever been, I don't think there's ever been an event where two sports are, are, you know, at stake. You know what I mean? Like, you know, big aspects of two sports are at stake. I mean, um, I, I can't. I can't think of one. Um, so, so that's unique. I mean, you never had a thing like where, you know, soccer and 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 American football are both at stake in the same game. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So this is this is this is a kind of unprecedented. Um, you know, I mean, Michael Jordan played another sport and he was a gigantic star, but it had no effect on baseball whatsoever. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it had no effect on basketball whatsoever that he played baseball. Yeah, but this is does have an effect. So it's like this is. This is still a really this is uncharted waters. There's never there has never been a fight like this. I know people compare it to Ali Anoki, but this is very different from Ali Anoki. 
What What do you think is on the line for both sports, and who do you think has more to lose in this one? Which sport? Well, I mean, you can look at it. They both have something to lose um, because, in theory, if 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 Mayweather loses, boxing loses because it's kind of like a you know a win for you for UFC over boxing. But if McGregor looks terrible. It's bad for UFC because it's their number one drawing card, and he looks terrible. Um, and with boxing, I mean, Mayweather's pretty much done anyway. And whatever's going to happen to boxing is dependent on the next generation of the uh, Alvarez's and, and Golovkin and, and the different people like that are going to be carrying boxing going forward, um, Joshua, whatever. Um, in, in UFC... They really need. They don't have another McGregor. They need McGregor. If McGregor something is is damaged, that's a big blow. I mean, look at the look at this year in UFC compared to last year. Last year was such a giant year, and this year with no McGregor um, and no Rousey, it's been a terrible year for UFC. Going on, you know, I mean, like at the second half of the year is maybe a lot better, but the first half was business wise was terrible. So up until the Jones fight, anyway. So there's, um, you know, I mean, it's it's um, they both have a lot at stake. But but I think because McGregor is 29 and was, is being counted on to be around longer, I, I think UFC has more at stake than boxing. Well, as we wrap up, David, we really appreciated the time. And this is a – I just want to ask you a question. I've been wondering this for, for a really long time, but how are you planning on, on watching this event? Are you covering it live? Or if, if you're not covering it live, how do you usually watch these events? Do you, do you have well, a place I'm, I'm that you like to go? Bu- I'm, I'm going to watch with a whole bunch of friends on, on pay-per-view here. Um, I could have gone live – but um, I don't know. I just, um, you know, I've had some people talk to me about going live, but they, they didn't get back to me on it. So <laughs> I said, ah, I'll just watch it here. I mean, um, but, uh, you know, may, I, may, I may, if it's like an incredible fight, I would probably regret it because let's face it, this is a fight that if it's an incredible fight will be one that you would go like, man, I wish, you know, you, you, you would love to say in 30 years, I was there live. Yeah. McGregor. Mayweather fight if it ends up being this class because because importance wise it, it could be you know it could be like this this incredible moment in sports it could be you know especially if McGregor wins then it then it will be for sure so um yeah you know I, I don't know if, if McGregor wins I will um or they have an absolutely incredible fight I, I would say that I'll very much regret that I didn't go but I think my mind was that Mayweather's going to beat him and so that's why I didn't go. <laughs> I'm watching on pay-per-view. Well, I feel like there's going to be some great moments made with Dave Meltzer and his friends. Guys, make sure to follow Dave on Twitter, at Dave Meltzer, W-O-N, and follow his great work on the Wrestling Observer and MMA Fighting. If you haven't subscribed to the Wrestling Observer, why not? What are you doing with your life? Get on it. Subscribe now. It's great work. Dave, thanks so much for coming onto the program. Okay, thanks. Hey, this is Kenny Florian, and you're listening to Submission Radio. All right, guys. Our next guest is known for keeping real and never backing down from a challenge. He will be taking on Andre Feely UFC Fight Night Poland on October 21st. But in the meantime, he's one of the few close men that has been helping Conor McGregor prepare for the mega fight against Floyd Mayweather this weekend. He joins us to discuss that. He's the Russian hammer himself, Adam Lobov. Welcome back to the show. How's it going? It's all good. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me once again. Uh, the pleasure's ours, and thank you for squeezing us into your super busy schedule. Now, it's the week of one of the biggest fights in history, and we can imagine your schedule is super busy. So tell us, whereabouts are you joining us from right now, and what were you doing just before jumping on with us? 
Uh, well, I'm just at the fighters and coaches' house right now, um, just relaxing. It's been a busy day, as you said. I'm sure you've been watching um, mm-hmm. that that media kind of uh, thing we had at the T-Mobile Arena. Um, you know, it was, it was outside as well. I'm not sure whose idea it was to have it outside. It's August, and this is we're in the middle of the desert. It was so hot <laughs> in there. You know, there's. I'm not really sure whose idea that was, but but it's all good. We got over it. But uh, anyway, yeah, we're you know it's good to be back home now and just relaxing and uh, probably going to sit by the pool for a bit afterwards. Wow, just curious, what what time is it there at the moment where you are? Uh, it's ten to ten now. Wow, how about wow, ten to ten, and you're squeezing us in. How how nice is that? One of the things that we didn't properly see because it's still sort of early in the day here in Australia is apparently there was some, you know, we all saw obviously the back and forth between Connor and Paulie Malinagi, but apparently there was a bit of back and forth between the teams, Team McGregor and Team Mayweather, allegedly some some pushing, some shoving. What exactly happened? Uh, yeah, I think just the two teams were walking past each other and, you know, obviously the fight is so close right now, you know, the tension is high and, um, you know, just it got, got a little bit, we kind of got close to each other, but nothing really happened. You know, there was no no really pushing or anything. You know, there was lo- loads of security there. So, um, you know, it was it was all under control, but, you know, nothing really happened. And talk to us a little bit about uh, the Malinaji situation, because we know he was over at the camp for a little bit, and there was those two sparring sessions. From what you understand, how exactly did that come about, that him, him and Connor ended up face-to-face? And what did you think of the situation? Yeah, I think that was just an accident that it that it happened that way. I mean, obviously he works for Showtime. He is the commentator, mm. so he was there. He was present there, and we were just you know walking past, and they kind of ran into each other. Uh, but you know, Malinaja and and look, everybody's gonna say you know I'm just trying to you know dish him order, but no, like let's be honest, he's never received so much media attention in his life. Even when he fought for those titles back in the day. He, he never experienced this level of uh, interest in his persona as he is right now. So he is just, as everything kind of died down a little bit and no one was talking about him anymore, he, you know, he missed that spotlight, I think, and, and he just wanted to probably run into corner and try and start something else out of there. Or maybe he's thinking, try and get a fight in the future, but, you know, he is just not in the same league as Connor. So uh, we all already saw that fight, and, and there's there's no need to see that beat down anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah, because so, I, I was going to ask you about that, because a lot of people are saying, oh, Malinaji, Malinaji is the next guy for McGregor. So... There's no real, from what you understand, there's no real interest from from Team McGregor to potentially fight him next. Well, for us, I mean, I don't know. Unless, like I said, you know, everybody always talks about Conor says this and the other, but he he truly is a man that likes a challenge. I mean, he is doing this fight. Why? Because no one before him was able to beat Floyd Mayweather. That's why Conor is here to prove that yes, it can be done. Uh, but Malinaji doesn't present any kind of a challenge. So, you know. Conor doesn't fight just for the money, you know. The money is is the, is the last thing on his mind, or maybe not the last thing on his mind. Of course, you know, it, it plays a big part, but he needs a challenge. You know, it needs to be someone that will truly push him to the to the next level. So uh, Malinaj is not one of those guys. So I really doubt it's going to be him. 
Yeah, it's fair enough. I look at this situation, Artem, and it's like this fight was rumored for so long, you know, even before it was official, you know, the build-ups have been crazy, the world tour, you and all the guys, you know, you're living in the same house, you're training together every day, every day, you know, it's another interview, it's 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 another something, and I feel like, you know, I feel like some of the tension here between, like, even, even the team of Greg and team Mayweather, it's really just because everyone's tired and everyone just wants this fight to happen already. Do you sort of get a little bit like that? Are you getting a little bit tired? you just want to sort of have this... You know have this fight happen already not at all man i am as energized as ever i am loving <laughs> this this whole camp everything every day has been just a blessing and and i've enjoyed every second of it so uh you know i mean yeah of course i really want to see the fight because obviously you know i, I can't wait for it but at the same time I, I loved every second and still continue to enjoy myself i'm not tired at all i could do another five of these camps Wow, that's awesome. It's it's good to hear the positive vibes. You've obviously been, you know, part of Conor's biggest fights, the Aldo knockout when he became the featherweight champ, the Diaz fights, the Alvarez fight when he became the dual champ. Does this fight week feel any any different to any of those? Um, I mean, not really. I mean, obviously everybody says, oh, this is the biggest fight ever, but that was always the case for the other fights as well. They were always seemed like the biggest fights ever. So it just it just feels like normal again. It just feels like we've been here before many, many times. And uh, you mentioned some of the fun things that you guys have been getting up to in the lead up to this fight. Have you had any highlights or anything that stand out to you personally from some of the build-up, some of the press conferences, some of the crazy trips that you guys have taken in the lead up to this thing? You know, I've actually been asked this uh, today earlier, and I, like I said then as well, I was like, this whole camp, the whole world tour, the whole everything just felt like one big crazy experience that mm-hmm. I just absolutely loved being part of. Um, so, you know, it's hard to pick one moment or the other. There were so many great moments. That's why I just feel I take it in as, as just one whole experience. Mm. We always say this to Kavanaugh, to Roddy, to everyone. You guys are like living in like a like a big episode of Entourage, and you guys are going to look back on it and in, enjoy the memories. But let's talk about the actual preparation. Yeah. You've obviously sparred with Connor for years and years now. You've you've had infamous epic wars in the gym since you know him switching his focus to strictly boxing. How different has he felt in sparring? Is there, is there a noticeable difference in his boxing technique or his skill, or, or have you found him to be maybe a more challenging opponent in sparring? Uh, yeah, he's just been as sharp as ever, you know, except now, you know, I couldn't really use the wrestling or or maybe, you know, some jiu-jitsu or whatever to kind of to to to, to take the focus of the strikes mm. for a bit to get a little breather in there. And now it was all strikes. Uh, but but it's been great, you know. It, it was I really enjoyed this this transition, and I really enjoyed being part of this camp. You know, it gave me also a chance to work on just my hands, um, which is not something you get to do often as an MMA fighter. You always sort of have to, uh, you know, balance it out between all the other uh, martial arts as well as boxing. Whereas now I was able to just take you know some weeks and, and concentrate on, on my hands only as well. So it's been great and it's been very, very enjoyable. It's interesting that you say that, Adam, because obviously Conor McGregor, if he, if he does win on the weekend, will become one of the biggest names in boxing. And you having uh, sparred with him and gotten him ready for this fight and gotten your hands and, uh, and, and your boxing sharper, has the thought of possibly going into boxing yourself crossed your mind at all during this whole preparation absolutely I, I almost got my professional boxing license about three years ago 
Uh, I was looking to compete, and I, I met uh, the commission, the Irish com- Boxing Commission, and uh, they just told me at the time that if I was to to get a boxing license, I would not be allowed to compete in MMA anymore. It would have to be just boxing. I'd have to just commit to boxing, and, and that was the main reason why I didn't do it that time. Uh, but I, it certainly has crossed my mind plenty of times. I mean, I understand. Uh, I, I am signed to UFC as well, and and uh, I understand that you know this boxing fight is probably. I'm not at that level to be able to, you know, call for a boxing fight, unless it was like on on the undercard of one of uh, Connor's uh, boxing fights. Uh, but if if it was my decision, yeah, I absolutely uh, would love to. Yeah, that that'd be amazing to see. I'm I'm just wondering, you know, we talked about the sparring sessions. How special will it feel for you if Connor goes out there and beats Floyd, knowing that you know you were one of those guys that helped him prepare not only for this fight but the majority of his career. Uh, it's going to be very special and always it's, it's like I know it's going to happen but still when it does happen it, it's still a very like huge moment for me even that Aldo knockout like I knew he was going to spark him quick but when it happened I, I still couldn't couldn't contain my emotions I was just uh, going crazy and I was absolutely over the moon and just you know very very excited and I think it's going to be the same uh, this time when he knocks him out I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> and Floyd Mayweather, you know, he's been saying some comments about how Connor's looking heavy. Can you give us an update? How is the weight cut going? How much is Connor weighing at the moment? And is everything going okay with the weight cut leading into this fight? One one thing I'll tell that everything is going uh, to plan. The preparation has been perfect. No stone has been left unturned. His diet has been on point. His weight is perfect. Like we always speak, boxers they 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 live in the in the in the dark ages. You know they don't see the technology. Everything is moved forward. The weight cutting uh, science has moved uh, moved forward as well. You know which allows you to make bigger cuts. Like MMA guys do massive cuts. Uh, and feel just fine the next day. I mean, one thing you need to know is that Conor has made 145 before. So 154 is not going to be a problem. We also saw that you will officially be part of the cornering team for this fight. Obviously yourself, John Kavanaugh and Owen Roddy. And John Kavanaugh said that you know it, it will be primarily Owen Roddy speaking in the corner. So w- what, what exactly will your role be on the night? What are sort of your duties while you're in the corner? Yeah, so the way we kind of always work it is that uh, whoever is the lead in the corner, which this time is going to be Owen Roddy, mm-hmm. normally when some MMA fights is John Kavanaugh. Um, and, you know, we just sit there and whatever, if I see something, I just say it to, to the lead man, which this time is going to be Roddy. And then he can decide in his mind whether this needs to be said to Connor or whether he will say it between rounds or maybe it doesn't need to be said at all. But that's the way it works. You know, you just want to hear one voice from the corner, just one person speaking uh, and then the rest, you know, just say it to him. And, and that's going to be an amazing moment because uh, a lot of people are saying this is the biggest fight in, in sports history how does it feel for you to know that you're going to be walking out with connor and being in his corner and being such a big part of such a historic night ah oh, it's incredible you know it's i mean it's just unbelievable I was, I was just over the moon to be in the corner of course and just be on this whole journey it's it's been a crazy one for sure and and a very unique one i don't think anyone has ever been on a journey like that so i, I just consider myself very lucky to be on this journey and once again, I'm gonna enjoy every second out there, and I'm gonna, but I'm gonna try and take it, take it all in for me as well. Because very often, sometimes you just, you know, you're just there, and then next thing you know, and it's gone. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, it's such an important moment and such a huge moment. Um, 
for for combat sports that you know I want to kind of take it in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of the entrance, anything special planned for the entrance? Um, not that I am aware of. Let me. Uh, ask I'm not really sure. To let me ask you this: We saw that Conor McGregor had his belts flown uh, from Ireland to Vegas. Will he be walking out wearing those belts and sort of showing off his accolades uh, in, throughout his MMA career? I'm uh, not really sure, to be honest with you, on that one. Um, it's kind of one of those, you know, details that, you know, we'll we'll see. It's, it'll be decided. We'll, we'll see what happens. One of the one of the interesting things, obviously, going into this fight is going to be the glove size. We're going to, we now know it's going to be eight ounces, and Floyd Mayweather was surprisingly the one who sort of brought it up. Were you surprised when he sort of brought this whole thing up? And how do you feel now? that it is eight ounce gloves. Do you think it makes much of a difference and gives Connor more of a chance in winning this fight? Absolutely. I'm delighted that it's eight ounces now. Uh, I mean, think about it. You know, Connor now, you know, Connor's power is going to be felt a lot more now that it's two ounces smaller. And Floyd, as a defensive boxer, he's got less to hide behind as well, you know, for protection. So uh, I am absolutely delighted after especially feeling them gloves and, you know, putting them on and just realizing how little is in them. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good thing. And I think it just it's a thing that backfired on on uh, on Mayweather. You know, you I always call it like a safe call out. You know, people of, often do it to Connor. They call him out. Guys call him out that know that the fight can never happen. That fight can never happen. So they just mention his name. They get all the kind of media that goes with it. And then they never have to face him. So I feel that Mayweather wanted to do the same here. He wanted to bluff, you know, say, oh, I don't care about the gloves. He he was sure that this would not be allowed. He thought that once it's 154, it has to be 10 ounces. And it just backfired on him. And uh, he's probably kicking himself right now. Well, I mean, and, and and that's the thing. A lot of people would agree with you. A lot of people would say that it was sort of like mind games by Mayweather. And w- what do you think about the mind games in general that, you know, you can see Mayweather's played throughout this whole time. You can see that he's releasing videos where he's sort of, you know, pretending to look like he's old and feeling tired after workouts. He's ta- He keeps talking about his age and, you know, his historically broken hands and then the glove change. You know, what sort of Mayweather are you actually expecting on the night? Do you think he'll be the prime Mayweather that we, we've sort of seen throughout his career? Uh, yeah, I think he's he's gonna be in good shape. You know, he all that. You know, I, I can see through that. You know, that's that's all bullshit. You know, you can see all that uh, playing it down stuff. He is known for doing that uh, in the past. And but you know, as a fighter, you know, you see right through it. You see you see the bullshit. Uh, but but some of the things that I was looking at that maybe other people didn't really notice, like for example, the workouts. Uh, look look at Connor's workout. That that's a proper workout. He done twelve rounds straight through as a fight and he didn't slow down till even in the last round you know the, what that shows you that shows you the fitness level he's at then look at the Mayweather's uh, workout he's barely hitting the bag he talks his way out of fatigue every time he feels a little bit tired he's asking he stepping away from the bag and asking to change music or do something or get him this or get him that you know those are the signs that I will pick up on and normal people will just uh, you know let them go by and don't even realize what's happening there Mm-hmm. And uh, Adam, we want to thank you for your time because it is late at night. We'll let you go in just a couple of questions. Uh, one of the things that uh, Mayweather also has said that people are finding hard to believe is that he said he's going to come forward and try and knock Conor McGregor out to make an exciting fight. Does anybody in Team McGregor actually believe that statement? Not really, no. I, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think anyone believes that because he's going to do what he's good at. He, and if he doesn't, even if he doesn't. One one shot, he'll hit one shot, and that's it. He'll go on the back foot again. He'll be defensive, for sure. So, um, 
And to be honest, for us, it doesn't really make a difference. I mean, look at Conor's fights. He's got guys that came aggressive at him and they got sparked quickly. And he had guys that were defensive and were on the back foot and they also got killed. So it makes no difference really to us. But if you if you really ask for my opinion, I think Mayweather is going to be very defensive. And, you know, obviously we're not expecting you to give away the game plan, but is it safe that Conor will fight sort of more of an MMA style as opposed to trying to be, you know, a, a better boxer than Mayweather? Oh, obviously he's not going to get himself disqualified or anything like that, but will he be looking to sort of explore the full boundaries of the boxing rules and, you know, use some unorthodox techniques in this fight? He will, he will fight him all styles. He'll be there and then he won't. King Ghost. <laughs> I mean, every expert under the sun is weighing in and giving their thoughts on the fight. Most of them... Aren't giving Conor McGregor much of a chance. What do you think will be the biggest surprise for people on August 26th? Well, there will be no surprise for me. I'll tell you that. There will be no <laughs> surprise for anyone on our team. You know, everything is going to go according to our plan. So as for the rest, I don't really care what they'll get surprised by. All right, Adam. Well, look, we've taken up enough of your time. As we let you go, it is obviously customary to get predictions from not only Connor himself, but the entire team before the fights. This might be your final chance. What is the final prediction for the weekend? How is Connor getting it done against Floyd? Yeah, my, my original prediction was six rounds. But after um, feeling the eight-ounce gloves and how little is in them, uh, I changed it to four rounds now. Wow, four rounds. And and just just quickly, final question. What what is sort of the next few days look like for you guys? Obviously you got, you know, some media obligations, but in terms of preparation, is everything done? Is there anything that you'll still be sort of helping Connor with, any other preparation? Or is it just, I guess, relax, take your mind off the fight from here on out? No, of course, there's still, you know, we're taking over, you know, slowly. Of course, now weight has to be made and, you know, uh, the diet has to be on point. So uh, um, this is what we'll be involved in over the next few days. All right, guys. Well, he is fighting Andre Fili at UFC Fight Night Poland on October 21st. We'll get him back on the show to talk about that fight. But for now, he's got a huge, huge fight with his friend and training partner, Conor McGregor, as he fights in the biggest fight of all time, August 26th, T-Mobile Arena and 27th here in Australia. Of course, follow him on Twitter at Russ Hammer MMA. Adam, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck mm-hmm. this week. And we hope that you take it in as much as you can because it will be something people will be talking about for a long, long time. For sure. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys. This is Brian Stan. You're listening to Submission Radio. All right, guys. So it was a nice, juicy Mayweather-McGregor preview show. Mm-hmm. Things were going swimmingly. And then we decided to check the internet and see that John Jones has gotten himself into a bit of trouble. So we thought, well... We need to bring somebody on to discuss this with. We need somebody who can react accordingly. And we thought, you know what? There's only one man for the job. You know him from his work on MMA Weekly. He works for Flow Combat at the moment. He did great work on Fox Sports. And he, most importantly, was part of the legendary Buffet team of 2016. He is none other than Damon Martin. And he comes back on the program. Damon, welcome. Welcome back. How are you doing? Oh, thank you for having me as always, guys. I really appreciate it. I cannot wait to tackle some more buffets in the future. Yeah, they'll, 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 they'll happen one day. But in the meantime, in the interim, let's tackle this. John Jones failed an in-competition drug test relating to his fight against Daniel Cormier at UFC 214 on July 29th. Got a few notes here. We, we, of course, have to include the details. Obviously, according to the UFC's official statement, the sample was collected after the official weigh-ins on July 28th. 
TMZ at the moment, at this present time, have reported that he has been stripped of the title. However, Dana White reportedly told ESPN that that has not been decided yet. Of course, he has not been suspended. Everything is sort of in the provisional stage. Uh, and the UFC have officially confirmed this news on their website. TMZ are also reporting that the substance Jones tested positive for was Turinabol, an anabolic steroid. And it is, of course, Jones' second failed drug test, the first one being prior to UFC 200, which was also meant to be a fight against Daniel Cormier. Now, Damon, obviously an enormous blow for what has been some very, very tough and troubling few years for John Jones. How do you react to this? What is your immediate reaction to this news? I believe you're watching the Tuesday Night Contender Series, just chilling, and then this pops into your lap. Yeah, I mean, what a what a crazy turn of events. And really, you know, it's unreal. I guess the, the two words that come to mind are unreal and just heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking for, for everybody involved, especially Daniel Cormier. I mean, the guy goes out there. I thought he won the first two rounds, although it was, you know, the, I believe it was the first round was really close. But, you know, he, he definitely won the second round. I scored him winning both rounds. And then he gets head kicked and finished. And, man, what a performance from John Jones. And then here we sit a few weeks later and this news comes out there. I mean, it's just devastating all the way around. And for John Jones, of course, I mean, I don't want to convict the guy, you know, again, we, you know, not the whole story's out there. You know, mm-hmm. I, the TMZ report says it was steroids. Uh, not to say I don't believe them in any, any stretch of the imagination, but we don't, you know, we haven't heard that from John Jones. We haven't heard that from USADA. But assuming that's true, then it's devastating. I mean, listen, Ball is not something that I would assume. I mean, I'm not an expert necessarily, but I've done enough of these uh, drug testing cases over the years to know that Ball is not something that just typically slips into a supplement. Mm. Uh, or, or what I would imagine. And even if it did, uh, I can't imagine USADA is going to say, oh, well, you know, it's okay. He tested positive for steroids. We're only going to give you a, a really small suspension. I just have a hard time believing that. So it's just unreal. I mean, everything John Jones has been through and then to come back and have kind of that crowning moment. And then he did everything right afterwards. I mean, he did everything right afterwards. He paid tribute to Daniel Cormier. He kind of settled the rivalry and said, you know, the guy's a true champion and a real role model for the sport. Did all the right things. Started building towards the big mega fight with Brock Lesnar. I mean, he had, he was back on top of the world and he had done everything right to get there. And then this comes out and it's just, man, I tell you what, it's like one step forward and eight steps back for John Jones. And I'm just curious, before we get to our thoughts, are you a little bit surprised by the fact that it's TMZ that released this? As, you know, traditionally, TMZ is sort of, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, kind of in bed with the UFC. They have a good relationship. The UFC gives them scoops, they they give them exclusives, and it's usually just more, uh, I guess, positive things, things to do with fight promotion. Are you surprised that they're the first ones reporting this? No, and listen, I know some of the guys at TMZ. I've worked with them before, especially when I was at Fox, because obviously Fox has a, a television partnership with TMZ. And they are really, they're actually, you know, people, you know, like to slam on TMZ because they're, you know, kind of that uh, tabloid style journalism, but they're actually a bunch of really, really good guys over there. As I said, I dealt with them on a lot of stuff when I was at Fox. Uh, they helped me out with some stuff. I helped them out with some stuff. So they are good guys. I would imagine, and again, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience, I would imagine this news probably did come from the UFC Mm. um you know they you know they're you know typically things like this don't come out you know it didn't come from John Jones I know for a fact Daniel Cormier didn't know about it until he was texted the news by a journalist uh and I actually just texted DC a little bit ago myself um so I know he didn't know about it so I I gotta assume this came directly from the UFC uh you know in that kind of a situation as far as the the steroid that part of it that is kind of interesting because that typically will not be released by anybody and 
unless the fighter releases that information. So mm. again, I, 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 you know, so I can't say for certain how it came, but I have to imagine that that you know they they at least confirmed something with the UFC before putting it out there. Mm-hmm. And also the strip title thing, which hasn't been confirmed yet. And the generals that you're mentioning is, of course, Ariel Hawani, who also tweeted that um, he reached out to DC MMA. He said that he will provide a statement soon, but he's just processing it right now and he's shaking and uh, there's disbelief there. So a big hit for DC. And I believe he's uh, doing a UFC tonight or some kind of broadcast tonight as well. So interested to see what comes out of that. But there was also a statement made by Jones's team where they said, we're all at a complete loss for words right now. John has trainers, his nutritionists, and his entire camp have worked tirelessly and meticulously the past 12 months to avoid this exact situation. We are having the samples tested again to determine the validity or source of contamination. John is crushed by the news, and we are doing whatever we can as a team to support him. I'm just wondering what you guys think of that statement, Casper. When you hear that, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of things here. I'm looking at the fact that they're obviously looking to get the test done again to determine the validity or source of contamination. But when you look at when you look at that sentence, does it almost seem like there could be a good chance that they're realizing there's something that went wrong in preparation that may have potentially caused this contamination? Uh, I'm I'm sure that that's probably what they'd be leaning towards because really, if you are going to test positive for a steroid. or or any kind of PED, best case scenario is it got in there somehow accidentally. Now, and I think Damon sort of hit the nail on the head. We don't really know the details yet. I do have some some notes here, some facts about what Turinabol is and and what exactly it does. But yeah, I I guess if you're John Jones's team, the the plea is, and it's kind of, you know, like with Yoel Romero, when he failed his drug test, it was in the, the, the protein or the creatine or whatever powder he was using. And so with John Jones, it was, look, it was in, in a sex pill. He thought it was um, Cialis and instead it was something else. So I guess that's kind of the story they're going to go with. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't know John Jones's team. I'm not going to sit here and say that he was taking steroids on purpose. But yeah, if, if you're going to go with anything, you're probably going to go with the fact that, look, I, I didn't take it knowingly and, and it could be in something. And you know what? Like, it, it, it is entirely possible. Again, I'm not a chemist. I'm not an expert on these things. Apparently, Turinabol, it was discontinued, I believe, after 1994. And uh, it's sort of strictly a, a black market underground anabolic steroid. So there are a lot of ways where athletes could sort of, you know, take it, whether they're having designer steroids made for them or whether it's in something, say, a product that you can buy at GNC or any other shop and you know maybe they're putting that in there to increase the effects i don't know you you would think that with john jones he's obviously ta- and, and and if he does have nutritionists which, which he obviously does you would think they would sort of do their due diligence and you would assume that they have done and check that everything is up to scratch especially after what happened at UFC 200 so i think even if it is a case where something had something in it that it shouldn't have had I think it's going to be very, very hard to, to sort of prove that, look, it was another accident. I think that any kind of committee would look at it and say, look, it's your job to check that everything is up to scratch and doesn't have any kind of uh, PEDs in it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there is no real excuse for this, no matter whether it's something that was contaminated or not. To me personally, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm shocked like DC is to, to, to see this news. I think, you know, the time of it coming, coming together is just horrible for John. You know, it seemed like he bounced back. Things were going well for him everybody was you know really big on him and and, and in a lot of ways he was you know a big thing for the ufc he's still a young guy and 
was looking to be their biggest star with a potential fight with Brock Lesnar down the line. Mm. And I just don't, this kind of seems to me, and I don't know, I want to get your thoughts on this, Damon, but to me, it kind of seems like almost the final blow. I mean, okay, let just like Casper said, let's say, you know, something was contaminated. You know, that is no excuse. He's got a team of people working tirelessly to make sure this doesn't happen again. And it's happened before, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a possible suspension here. But to me, I mean, this, it's almost becoming comical. I mean, when, when I saw the response from from the fans, and of course, you know, the MMA community can be can be a little bit critical, but, you know, people were just basically, they couldn't believe that it happened again. And I mean, reputation is, is something that is definitely not going towards John Jones here. He's had a very, very difficult run with a lot of horrible things happening to him. So this popping up, I mean, even... If somehow down the track this thing is cleared, which I don't think, it, you know, we don't know the facts, but it doesn't look likely that this thing will be cleared. But let's say down the track it is cleared, just dealing with this for the next few months. You know, fans are not giving him the benefit of the doubt here, Damon. How are you feeling with this? Is, does it kind of feel like the final blow here? Are we looking at a potential, you know, could, can, is this a career ender for John Jones if it goes through? Well, I mean, like I said, a lot of facts still have to play out. I mean, we know that. So I don't want to completely convict him, but I mean, it's not looking good. I mean, with everything else that's happened, you know, considering the the past suspensions, the hit and run accident, and then the positive test last year, which you know they you know they proved it was a you know a a, a contaminated uh, you know erectile dysfunction drug, all those kind of things, and then he comes back and he has this you know tremendous performance, wins by knockout, and all those kind of things. I mean, if this comes out to be true and everything plays out the way it's looking like, which is, you know, he tests positive and it is steroids. I mean, you know, will he, you know, will he, uh, you know, will he be able to come back? Maybe, uh, you know, but, you know, I have a hard time believing that USADA is not going to drop the hammer in terms of a suspension. If all this is true, I mean, repeat offenders are supposed to get, you know, an even stiffer penalty. So I'd have a hard time believing that he wouldn't get, you know, he got a year when they proved it was a contaminated erectile dysfunction drug, I have a hard time believing that they wouldn't hit him with a, you know, probably two or maybe three year suspension. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just spitballing at this point. Uh, and if that's the case, I mean, that's, you know, that's not a, that's not a death sentence necessarily, but it certainly doesn't, it certainly doesn't help his matters coming back. I mean, if he comes back three years from now, what kind of a division does he come back to? I mean, Daniel Cormier is 38 going on 39. I can't imagine he's going to be around for three more years. Uh, you know, guys like Alexander Gustafson and Vulcan Ozdemir will probably still be around, but I don't know. Like I said, I mean, this this may be the nail in the coffin, so to speak, especially if he gets a, you know, a three or, or potentially even a four year suspension. You know, that's 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 not quite a death sentence, but it's pretty close to it. Yeah, it's insane. And you mentioned, obviously, the UFC's light heavyweight division. That's the thing. He might be, you know, if it is proven that he's positive, and like you mentioned, so many things have to play out, really. This news just broke. Who knows what's going to happen? But, I mean, it could be two years. It could be four years. And if he comes back, he's 30 years old now. If he comes back at 34 years old, think about the UFC and any division or just the landscape in general four years ago. Four years ago, I believe... Uh, GSP was still champion. I believe Anderson Silva might have still been champion. If you think about how much has changed and how much John Jones may potentially change in four years, I mean, if if he is 
what he is at the moment, which a lot of people have, you know, believed him to be the greatest of all time, or if not, at least up there in, in contention for the greatest of all time. And if he's on the sidelines for four years, is he going to be continuing training? Is he still going to be dedicated to martial arts? You know, there were moments where he revealed in that telling interview uh, a, a year or two ago with Ariel Helwani, where he conti- he he thought about, I believe it was after the hit and run, where he thought about just walking away from MMA, and he decided not to. And it's just crazy. If he does get a four-year suspension, what exactly happens to him? And like you mentioned, the division. People were talking about the light heavyweight division sort of being, not necessarily dead, but people were talking about how Cormier and Jones, it's it's the best thing going in the light heavyweight division. Who knows what's going to happen afterwards? Yeah, we have Volkanovski. Yes, we have Gustafsson. But if John Jones leaves, and like you mentioned, Daniel Cormier potentially leaves shortly afterwards or or goes to heavyweight, it's it's just nuts. And I want to I want to read a couple of notes we've got here on Tarina. Again, we don't know if this is the actual drug that John Jones tested positive for. That's what's being reported. But it was a big part of the East German doping machine between 1974 and 1989 where Olympic athletes were using it and it was undetectable, like I mentioned. Apparently has not been manufactured since 94. Now it's a black market underground anabolic steroid. And as far as the effects, according to steroid.com, uh, without a question, the effects of oral terinabol will, will be most valuable to the athlete. And by athlete, we mean actually an athlete. The use of oral terinabol will significantly promote muscular endurance. They won't tire out as fast and their overall rate of recovery should be greatly improved. As the season wanes on, they should also find they have taken less of a beating and are closer to the physical peak they enjoyed at the beginning of the season. This would not occur without the anabolic protective nature. The athlete should also find that his strength is noticeably improved upon. And yeah, he will be stronger, which can directly translate into physical power and speed. So pretty crazy stuff. Dennis, any other thoughts on this uh, insane out of nowhere situation? Well, it's crazy. And now social media posts from the build up to the John Jones CC fight are sort of popping up to Hon John Jones right now. I mean, there was a tweet that he put out July 22nd at 2.53 a.m., I suppose, Australian time where he posted a photo of himself and says, Daniel says the only reason I defeated him the first time is because I must have been on steroids. wonder what his excuse will be this time. So mm. a bunch of stuff like that going around the internet, no doubt about it, fans sort of turning it around, reposting it, talking about it. But Damon, I'm, I'm curious, from your perspective, I mean, to me, a huge blow for John Jones. He's going to lose millions of dollars. You know, it's going to be difficult for him in his personal life. It's going to be hard for him to bounce back from this, you know, Obviously, I think he'll come back if everything goes through, if he is convicted, if, if the proof is there. Again, we don't know. We're still speculating. I think he would come back 34, 35, whatever the age will be. And I, I think he, he'll still be able to fight a few more times. But the huge blow here is for the UFC, who has a thin, thin division right now. And Alex, and um, Jimmy Manoa losing UFC 214 certainly didn't help that one bit. So I'm just wondering, Damon, when you're looking at this situation Again, we're speculating here, but let's say, you know, it goes to the next step. And just as TMZ reported, John Jones is is stripped of the title. And, uh, you know, the UFC is trying to figure out what happens next. Damon, I'm just wondering what makes sense? Who who becomes champion? What happens in the interim? Uh, You know, I I mean, I think from what I from what I'm hearing, you know, even though the TMZ report may have been a little bit, you know, a little bit. uh, a little bit early. Uh, I, from what I'm hearing, is is that you know the title being stripped and the title going back to Daniel Cormier is something that is probably going to happen. 
Uh, and if that happens, then Daniel Cormier would, you know, obviously come back and defend the title. Now you have to remember, even though Daniel Cormier, you know, is it may be, you know, champion now, he also did get knocked out in the third round by John Jones. So, you know, whether or not he'd actually be ready to come back this year is a big question. I mean, I had heard rumors that John Jones was going to, you know, come back before the end of the year was looking at potentially the end of December or the beginning of December 218 UFC 218 or UFC 219 as a possible landing spot. I don't know that DC would be ready. I mean, he did get knocked out pretty hard in the third round. So, I think what's probably going to happen right now is you're going to see maybe a number one contenders bout between Alexander Gustafson and Vulcan Ozdemir maybe later this year in December. Mm. And the winner of that would go on to face Daniel Cormier. Because, listen, even if John Jones, let's just say hypothetically John Jones is exonerated, which I think we all know the likelihood of that is pretty slim, um, especially if it is, you know, Terenable. And again, this is all speculation. I don't want to throw the guy under the bus because we don't know all the facts yet. But uh, if that is the case... Uh, then I have a hard time believing that, uh, you know, that, there, that, that, you know, this situation is going to be resolved within six months. And that's at a minimum. Uh, these things don't typically happen that quickly, uh, especially when you're talking about retesting samples, arbitration, all these different things that can happen. Uh, so if that's the case, like I said, I, I truly do believe we're looking at probably a number one contenders bout between Gustafson and Ozdemir and the winner of that fight in D.C. in early 2018 with this John Jones situation playing out with uh, with USADA. Uh, and depending on, like I said, I mean, if he tested positive for pretty much anything, uh, you know, and it is, and it is a steroid. I mean, I just can't see him coming back with less than a year or maybe even a two year suspension considering it would be a second offense. I just, I just, I can't now, like I said, tainted supplements, all these different things that can happen. I guess there's some claim of that, but I just have a hard time believing that USADA is going to hand him a slap on the wrist and say, okay, go back out there and fight for the title or, you know, you're exonerated. I just have a issue feeling this is not going to end well for John Jones. Mm, it's, it's amazing. And really like, you know, even though he was exonerated after UFC 200, people were still calling him a cheater. And this really, mm. even if he gets exonerated now, it, it really doesn't help. I mean, people still call him a cokehead. People still call him a cheater. And it's just, it's crazy the way John Jones's career, it's been, it's been so storied. You said, I think, when we just jumped on the line before, you can't write this shit. And it's always been the case that you have this feel-good moment with John Jones, and then unfortunately something pretty tragic happens. And I don't know, just, I always think back to that quote from Mike Winklejohn where he says that if anybody, the, the only man who can stop John Jones is himself. And and again, we don't know mm. what's happened, but it, once again, it's not an opponent, you know, defeating John Jones. And not, not to say that he's defeated yet, but it's it's something within. Let's move along. It's it's an insane situation, but let's be honest. Let's be real. It is it is fight week. It is all about Mayweather McGregor. Maybe one percent less now, but predominantly about Mayweather McGregor this weekend. And uh, let's get your vibe, Damon. How are you feeling about this fight? Are you pumped? Are you excited? And let's get an official prediction while we're at it. I'm ready. I'm just ready for the fight. I mean, all the talking, all the uh, all the conversation, all the build up, all the promotion. Uh, you know, the, the the confrontation today with Pauli Malignaggi and the teams and all that stuff, and it's great. I'm just ready for the fight, man. I'm just excited to finally sit down and watch these two go at it. It's been a couple of months in the making, and at this point, over a year in rumor. I mean, the first rumor came out in March of last year after the Diaz fight, after the first wow. Diaz fight. So we've been we've been talking about it for well over a year and a half at this point. So I'm just ready for it. Um 
as far as the prediction goes, listen, I understand the safe bet is Floyd Mayweather by decision. I mean, the guy is 49-0 for a reason. He's not typically a power puncher. And I think in a weird way, the eight-ounce gloves may end up hurting him a little bit because his hands are kind of brittle. And, and obviously, with less padding means you do take more damage on your hands. So that actually may hurt him a little bit. And he's just not typically a, a finisher. If he does finish Connor, I think it'll be late you know, 10th or 11th round when maybe Connor's cut up or beat up and he just kind of finishes him, you know, in the corner with punches and the referee separates him. Uh, but I think, I think Floyd by decision is the safe bet. That being said, very few people are going to go out on a limb. And I guarantee you probably talked to everybody on your show tonight. Not a single person went on a limb and actually picked Connor McGregor. Well, guys, I'm going to be that guy. I'm picking <laughs> Connor McGregor. I'm I'm done. I, I I stopped I stopped not believing in this guy a long time ago. There's just something about it, something about the matchup, something about the confidence, something about the way things have been playing out. Just I don't know. Just something in the air kind of reminds me a little bit of the Jose Aldo fight, where I just had a feeling that it was going to happen, and so I think it's going to happen. I'm picking Conor McGregor by third round knockout. Wow, you're in good company because uh, actually you're in really good company because not only are you with Chris Weidman who last week picked the same thing. Although, although I, I, I don't know what it was. I, I, I think he was still recovering from surgery and was a little bit out of it when he said that. I think he just threw it out there. <laughs> but also, Bas Rutten also said the same thing. I don't think he said third round. I think he said fourth round. But he's also predicting Conor McGregor. Okay. I'm just curious, when did that change for you? Because I think that initially you were sort of leaning towards Mayweather when we spoke about this, you know, over the last few weeks and months. When did it change for you and, and, and you started thinking, all right, I'm going with McGregor? There's just, you know, the lead up, you know, watching, watching the the footage and watching, you know, and, and just listening to Connor. And I know talk doesn't win you fights. I understand that. But when I see some of the training footage and I just see, you know, how much Connor is putting into this camp and listen, we can, we can sit here and criticize his technique all day long and say the guy doesn't have the best boxing technique and he doesn't hit pads as cleanly as Floyd Mayweather. But guess what? You know, a lot of guys aren't going to do that as well as Floyd Mayweather. Uh, but this isn't going to be a boxing match. This is going to be a fight. And, and that's why I think Connor has a chance to win this thing. You know, he's going to go out there and make it dirty. He's going to make it ugly. When I say dirty, I don't mean like he's going to fight illegally. I just mean he's going to make it a grimy fight. He's going to go out there and get in Floyd's face, put that left hand out there and, and, and beat him up a little bit. And I think that, uh, you know, Floyd hasn't faced that a lot of times. Guys who have gone out there and tried to beat Floyd Mayweather have typically tried to go out there and outbox Floyd Mayweather. And, and Connor can't do that. No one has. No one can, I don't believe. Uh, that's why I think a lot of people were always interested in that game. Kennedy Golovkin fight, the Triple G fight, because Triple G hits with such freakish power. And obviously he's a lot bigger than, than Floyd too. So that was another factor, but so is Connor. But I think that was a big factor why so many people at the end of Floyd's career were like, man, I'd kind of like to see that, that Triple G fight. Cause you know, Triple G hits with just, you know, just tremendous fight stopping power. And Floyd really hasn't faced a lot of those guys in his career. And I think that's what you're getting with Conor McGregor. He has real fight finishing power. And I think Floyd is absolutely underestimating him. I know the videos are out there showing him eating Burger King and not training. And, and, and a lot of people are saying that's just a picture he's painting. He wants people to believe that he's not taking this seriously. But there's just something about it that I think maybe he is not taking this seriously. Maybe he just thinks he's going to walk through Conor McGregor. This is going to be a 50th win and a $300 million payday. And I think that's a dangerous game to play when you're fighting somebody as good and as dangerous as, uh, as Conor McGregor. All right. Well, we'll all find out this weekend, August 26th in America and here August 27th. This Sunday here in Australia, Damon, we really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you jumping on, chatting with us about, obviously, this John Jones situation that popped up out of nowhere, giving a really nice prediction as well for McGregor Mayweather. Guys, don't forget to follow Damon on Twitter. 
at Damon Martin. Of course, check out his phenomenal work, as always, on MMA Weekly and Flow Combat. Always love having you on the program. Thank you so much, Damon. Thanks, guys. There he is, Damon Martin, 2016 Buffet team, hoping to make <laughs> him and uh, the, bring the team together sometime soon. Get the buff. No Buffet is a UFC 214. Didn't feel right. Didn't have the right crew around. Wasn't was a tough, if you guys listened to the previous show, it was a tough uh, week for me and Casper both. We got very, very sick around the time of the fights. Mm. Me on fight day, Casper before, so I don't know how much food we would have put away. And there's nothing worse than going to a buffet and not actually executing uh, a very nice plan, of a strategy, how many plates nah. you're going to have. If it's anything under five plates, then I, I just feel like a horrible person. But anyway, <laughs> as we're wrapping up this thing, and by the way, the John Jones thing, it's a crazy thing. Horrible to see. Huge blow for the UFC. Huge blow for John Jones. Interested to see what happens next. But great to have Damon Martin come on the show and talk about it. And just curious to see what happens next. But let's get back on this McGregor Mayweather thing. Because as we wrap up the show, you know, it is a huge moment, Casper, for, I suppose, fight fans around the world. This is a huge, huge fight. It's it's very rare that you get a fight of this magnitude. And I know people around the world are excited. I've been walking around, listening to random people talk about it on the street here in Australia, which 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 is pretty crazy. It seems like everywhere I go, people are talking about it, and people are asking me about the fight. I, I get two types of people asking me about the fight. I get, number one, the type of person I get uh, asking me about the fight is the uh, Conor McGregor kind of guy that has never heard of Floyd Mayweather before and, and tells me that you know something along the lines of uh, Conor McGregor is going to knock Floyd Mayweather out in the first round, kind of pushing it back to me. What do you think about that? <laughs> or I get the second person that says, you know, Floyd Mayweather's going to destroy him and there is no chance. And in both situations, I kind of feel like I, I have to be the other side. You know, when they find out, when people find out you and me do a, do a podcast about fighting, instantly this is the question that we get. And I've been getting this question a lot during the week from random people. And when somebody says Conor McGregor's going to knock Floyd Mayweather out straight away, I go with the whole thing of, you know, Floyd Mayweather's really great. It's not going to be as one-sided as he think. I kind of protect that side of things. But when someone says, you know, he's not going to touch Floyd Mayweather and it's going to be a horrible fight, then I come in with the whole, well, you never know what's going to happen in a fight thing and anything can happen. And, you know, we've seen upsets before. So I'm, I'm kind so, of So you're a rational human being, basically. I'm, I feel like it's a seesaw and I got to bring <laughs> one side up. I want to get it middle. It just frustrates me when you get uh, somebody saying, like a lot of these boxing I suppose uh, media people saying that, you know, McGregor's not even going to touch him. You know, I believe that McGregor is going to touch Floyd Mayweather with some sort of punch throughout the fight. I don't think Floyd Mayweather is going to matrix for 12 rounds and never get hit. You know, Mm. you can hit with a jab. You can get hit with a whole bunch of punches. I do believe it's going to happen. But when I'm looking at this prediction, by the way, I just wanted to say, you know, a lot of these boxing media people and. This has happened throughout the history of boxing. You know, you can look back through a bunch of careers. Muhammad Ali is a great example of this with the first Sonny Liston fight and a bunch of fights that he's had. It's very black and white for boxing media people for a long time. This has been going on for 40, 50 years now. It's either someone's going to destroy someone or someone's not going to touch someone. And so many times in boxing history that has been proven wrong. You know, you can go back in the history books. Obviously, Muhammad Ali's done it a number of times. But And then after that happens, all of a sudden that person is the person who's the greatest. The other person's not that great. And you, you can learn that because in MMA, you can have a fighter win a bunch of fights, lose a fight, then win another fight. And then he's sort of back in everybody's good graces. But in boxing, if you have a fighter on a winning streak and he loses one fight, that's like the worst thing that could happen to him. And if that fighter wins another fight after that, 
it doesn't do the same as it does in boxing. Boxing fans and boxing media are very, very critical. And I believe it's a lot more black and white than MMA. So in that regard, I have to just say, it just frustrates me when I hear people say, you know, oh, he's not even, he's not even going to land a jab. You know, the whole, the whole thing's a bit ridiculous. Obviously, I think there'll be some jabs landed. There'll be some punches landed. It might not be a power punch. It might not knock Floyd Mayweather out, but there'll be some general trading back and forth. It may not be the greatest uh, punches landed from McGregor, but there'll be some punches landed. There'll be some sort of attempt made. To me, though, you know, Damon Martin, I appreciate him going for the for the crazy prediction. Bas Rudin sending the positive vibes his way to McGregor, which I appreciate. To me, my official prediction is going to be that Floyd Mayweather is going to win this thing with a decision. It's a boring uh, prediction, but to me, I just this is how I see it. I don't think, I agree with you, Casper, and you mentioned this a long time ago on the program, I don't think it's going to be the most exciting fight. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I think a lot of people may be a little bit disappointed. But what I'm excited about is the opportunity of McGregor getting in the ring with Mayweather, and I'm just excited to be watching this thing live and watching it play out. And because every round, especially at the start, even if it doesn't go McGregor's way, I'm just excited to see the potential for possibly McGregor going in there and trying his best to land something. I'm just excited to see and watch this thing live. And, you know, you and me, Castle, we're not going to be there. You know, we're not going to be there live covering it, which is a huge, huge bummer. But at the same time, what people don't realize is when you cover a fight live, there's so much stuff going on, and a lot of the time you're stuck in the back watching it on a small TV with a huge group of media members, and you're not really taking it in because there's just you're thinking about doing the post show, you're thinking about doing mm. the post interviews, you're thinking about having to do a hundred million things. A lot you of don't stress. take it in, a lot of stress. You don't take it in exactly, and you know this is we we are we, we have Casper. You have set up a beautiful banquet at your house. Going to be a barbecue. <sighs> We're all going to be enjoying this thing with a group of close friends. And to me, that is that is how I like to consume fights. I like to watch <laughs> it. I like to be surprised. I like to be jumping out of my seat. I like to be punching the guy on the side of me in the shoulder. And I, I, I just like to be shocked, surprised. In the media room in the back, you're not allowed to show any emotion. So something mm. happens. You're supposed to sit there straight face, nodding, maybe a golf clap here and there. Like Fade or Gagard Masasi. Just sit there. That's right. I'm <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I'm excited for the opportunity to enjoy it with yourself, some close friends, some good food, and just take this take this fight in because it doesn't happen very often. But I want to go to you, your sort of closing thoughts on the episode in terms of your prediction and your feeling for this fight. I love how you put me on the spot and you're like, ah, a beautiful banquet. And here I am thinking <laughs> I have nothing in my fridge. There's like maybe a single egg and maybe some ramen noodles. And I'm like, well, fuck, now I have to do something special. So, touche, touche. I like it. You're very strategic with, uh, with, with this. You like Floyd Mayweather. Um, yeah, I find, I find the, the closer we get to the fight, I'm a lot more curious uh, and, and excited. I think one of the things I'm more curious about is just to see what Conor McGregor is bringing. Uh, not, not even so much whether he can win or lose, but I'm just curious about the game plan. Wh- whether it wins or, or fails... I'm just curious what it is that he's going to try and do, how he sees this victory. And I almost feel like this Paulie Malinagi situation, it's its obviously worked to their favor. But the fact that you saw, a, you know, a little glimpse of sparring session and obviously, you know, he had some success in that small glimpse. And uh, even what Paulie has said, 
it, it kind of seemed like Paulie didn't necessarily agree with everything. E- even when he wasn't, you know, paying out Conor McGregor, he said that he's got some ideas and things that he wants to do. I don't know. Some of them are a little bit out there. I don't know if it's necessarily going to work, but he has an idea of what he wants to do. And it's kind of the same with John Kavanaugh and Owen Roddy. And that everybody's kind of alluding to the fact that Conor McGregor is going to go there with a sort of MMA style. Now, of course, he's not going to go in there, you know, and throwing head kicks or elbows or doing anything illegal. But there are certain things that you can do that, um, well, for lack of a better term, pushes the boundaries of, of boxing rules. Faraz Sahabi, for those mm. who haven't seen it, he did a really good breakdown of the fight, a really, really good breakdown. I think it was quite a while ago, a few weeks or months. And he was talking about some of the borderline legal, illegal moves that Conor McGregor could do and get away with, you know, with, with a potentially inexperienced referee. Not so much inexperienced, but a referee that may not really see what's going on. One of the things that he talked about was McGregor could potentially trip Mayweather. Now, we're not talking, you know, a judo throw or a takedown, but he said that he could potentially step on it's, it's like a knee tap. He could step on Mayweather's foot and he could clash knees. And to an unexperienced guy, uh, in, you know, in terms of grappling, a guy like Mayweather may lose his balance, if not fall over. And at that moment, either, you know, worst case scenario, it looks good for McGregor because it looks like Mayweather fell. Or best case scenario, he could use Mayweather being off balance and potentially, you know, land a shot. So there's little things like that. And I I feel like those are the kinds of things that are going to be part of McGregor's arsenal. Again, I'm not saying he's going to do anything illegal, but I do think there's going to be a lot of clinching. Uh, In Luke Thomas's breakdown, some boxers made really good points how, you know, if if they're Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather shouldn't try and engage in the clinch because he's going to get out-muscled, not only by a bigger guy, but a guy who's got a lot more experience in the clinch, and he should just let it happen. And, um, you know, if if McGregor wants to put him somewhere in the corner or wherever, the referee is going to break it up. So I'm I'm just very curious what kind of style McGregor's going to use. He's he's not going to go in there and try and outbox Floyd Mayweather. Um, I honestly think, though, with Floyd... He may be acting very relaxed, and I think that he he knows that he is obviously the far superior boxer compared to Conor McGregor. But I think that there is there is a lot, not so much pressure. I don't really know how he's handling the pressure itself, but I think he understands the gravity of this situation and what exactly is on the line. His legacy, like you mentioned, Dennis, if he loses and he's forty nine and one man, does it affect his legacy. So he he wants to protect that. Obviously, it's MMA versus boxing, so he wants to protect that as well. He wants to protect the home team and, and you know, make boxing look good as well. So I think if ever there's a fight that Floyd Mayweather is not going to take chances, it's this one above any other fight. So I'm not necessarily sitting here and saying Floyd Mayweather, you know, I'm not saying that it's going to be a terrible fight. I know my hot take before was that, you know, the, the, the most interesting and fun part of Mayweather McGregor is all going to be free. All the pre-fight content, the fight itself is going to be pretty boring. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be boring. I'm, I'm just curious because I think the first few rounds will be interesting. Conor McGregor going out there. I think he's going to have to be super aggressive and really take the fight to Floyd like a Maidana, make it, make it an ugly fight. But I think with Floyd, he's, he's, he may not know exactly what to expect from Conor McGregor, but I think he expects something pretty wild, pretty unorthodox. And I think that's going to make Floyd take just far less chances. He he won't want to, you know, give Conor McGregor the openings to potentially counter him and knock him out. And I think Conor may even win the first couple of rounds, 
Uh, and I believe for, for us, Sahabi said that because Floyd, he's just going to be trying to process everything. He's just going to be trying to watch Conor McGregor, see what he does, and maybe take the first one, two, three, maybe four rounds to just digest everything and then figure out a game plan. He's very, very, very good at adapting, uh, you know, in the early fights and or, or mid-fight Floyd Mayweather. So it, it is possible that we're going to see a very inactive, a very defensive Floyd Mayweather in the first few rounds. And then maybe sort of halfway, maybe after, say, the third, fourth, fifth round, we're going to see Floyd Mayweather re- really sort of get into his own, really formulate a game plan and a strategy mid-fight and, and start to take it to Conor McGregor. I, I think... I understand this feeling that Damon Martin's talking about. I think everybody has that, even just 1%, even if they don't want to admit that, except maybe boxing purists. But if I had to predict, look, I'm with you, man. I, th- I think it's going to be decision. I think Conor McGregor's, he's got a good chin. He, he, he sort of kind of gave up in that first Nate Diaz fight. I don't see him getting knocked out, though, in this fight. I, th- I think he's going to stick around. Um, and I think he's certainly going to try and take the fight to, to Floyd Mayweather. I think ultimately, though, Floyd's going to figure it out. He's going to figure out his patterns, figure out what he's trying to do. I'm very curious about how Connor's going to be able to manage his cardio. It, 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 obviously, 12 rounds are so different compared to you know a 25-minute MMA fight. Um, so I, I think ultimately Floyd Mayweather's going to take it by decision. And mm. yeah, what, what, what do you think, Dennis? You know, I agree with that. And look, there could be other things there again. You know, there's that excitement of possibly McGregor going in there and doing something that hasn't been done. But, you know, you got to look at Floyd Mayweather's chin as well. The guy has an amazing chin. Every time, you know, he's been in real trouble, he's been able to come back strong. So there's no real indicators there that, you know, even if Conor McGregor does land that lucky punch, he'll go out straight away. He's been hit by some really strong hitters in the past. The, the other thing I was going to bring up that I haven't really heard many people bring up is the fact that, you know, Floyd Mayweather himself, he is pretty good at being a dirty fighter when he has to be. And we've seen him end fights, you know, using some pretty dirty tactics in the past. And we know that Conor McGregor's contract doesn't allow him, you know, to use too many dirty tactics. There's a lot of stuff that's going to influence his pace. So I know he's going to be very careful with, with the obvious stuff, but Floyd Mayweather, he is good at being very smart and strategic with some of the dirty tactics in that boxing ring. So, you know, I, I don't want people to be surprised if things aren't going Floyd Mayweather's way. He may use some, some of those old veteran skills to get into a few positions there where he can utilize some of those dirty tactics. And uh, he has used those tactics in the past, especially using referees to his advantage to finish fights quickly and knock opponents out without being broken up properly. So he has done stuff like that before. And there is also the possibility that, you know, McGregor gets worn out near the end of the fight and, uh, Mayweather starts picking him apart and possibly puts him down as well. But this is the great thing about boxing. The fact that <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. In a lot of ways, it's kind of, it kind of is like a Rocky story, except Rocky had a lot more experience in boxing, even though he wasn't as experienced. Uh, it didn't have as much success, and also it was a fictional story. But here, <laughs> if Conor McGregor can do it, if he can go in there, to me, Cass, it's a win. If he can go in there, and if he can hit Mayweather, and he can cause more damage than the previous champions in the past... To me, that's a win because I feel like a lot of people are going to look at the previous people that Mayweather's fought and compare them to McGregor and say, hey, if McGregor can do that and that this guy couldn't do it, I think he gets a lot more respect from the boxing world. And the other thing is if, if he does upset Mayweather and if he is able to pull it off, to me, the big effect here is on the training, on the philosophy behind boxing. You know, we know the thought and process Behind boxing, you have to have this many amateur fights. You need to come up doing this, and then you turn pro, then you go here. A guy going from MMA to boxing with no amateur, real amateur fights on record, 
going in there and beating a guy like Floyd Mayweather, who's had 49 professional wins and a billion amateur fights and was in the Olympics, I think that changes people's perception on training and their perception of what and how a boxer goes about getting ready for a fight and his career. Because I think it just blows everything out for people who, let's be honest, you know, boxing is still a very, very traditional training method, very traditional sport. If people go and train boxing, you know, they'll be surprised at the fact that it's it's not like MMA. It's it's very old school. A lot of old school exercises, a lot of old school training methods, a lot of old school ways to get ready for a fight. It's stuff that you actually do see in the Rocky movie from 30, 40 years ago. It's holding the, the small dumbbells. It's throwing those punches. It's getting the medicine ball out. It's hitting the abs of the medicine ball. You know, it's not focusing too much on other aspects like an MMA. So very excited to see what would happen if McGregor wins and the theory behind how a person gets ready for a boxing match possibly changes with that win and you know i i also want to say like it's really funny because you know we look at the comment sections obviously and you know on different days we're either conor mcgregor haters or conor mcgregor nut huggers you get some people saying oh you guys always hate mcgregor you're so against mcgregor some people say oh you guys love mcgregor truth is we're, we're really in the middle and we just call it how we see it there's no personal attachment but i'm just going to be honest if, if you think we're being harsh and saying oh you guys are just saying floyd's going to win because you hate mcgregor i want mcgregor to win I'm I'm just going to be honest because I think it's more fun. It's not a personal thing. It's not because you know I I, I think he's such an amazing human being, but I, I just think it makes things more interesting. If Floyd Mayweather goes and wins, which you know that's that's what I think will happen, and that's what you think happens, Dennis. It's kind of like the fairy tale is over. I've, and a lot of people they weren't really influenced by the fairy tale. A lot of people were like, "Nah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not buying into this from the very beginning." But you know, if, if he loses, then basically what happens is what everybody expects. And I think one of the most fun thing about fight sports and combat sports is when the unexpected happens. Like, you know, funny example, given what happened today, but John Jones and Gustafsson, everybody thought John Jones was going to take him down at will and, and elbow him into the ground, maybe finish him in the first round. And what we got was an amazing competitive fight, one of the greatest light heavyweight fights of all time. And, you know, the reason why people liked it so much is because nobody expected that. And so I think same thing with Conor McGregor. If you if he beats Mayweather, it's like, what 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 is the ceiling? What does he do next? If he if he loses, then it's sort of a little more towards, well, probably gonna go back to MMA, probably gonna go back to the the old style. So I am, you know, one of the biggest stories with McGregor has always been what is his ceiling, and I feel like if he beats Mayweather, his his ceiling is infinitely higher. So I, I would like to see that because I think it'd be more interesting. And I, I think one of the other things that I've sort of taken from this is I remember when this fight was first announced, my theory was that uh, it's it's not necessarily going to help McGregor regardless of the build-up because people will be so sucked into the build-up and, and the hype and the trash talk and everybody will get excited and then the fight will ultimately, ultimately be a letdown and then it's going to be like, well, how can you sell people on your next fight if you're Conor McGregor? People will say, look, it doesn't matter what he says, it's going to be letdown. But I just seeing the, the amount of interest that this has generated, I think regardless, Conor McGregor will pull a lot of people into his next fight if he chooses to return to MMA or whether it's boxing. I think, uh, you know, if he goes and fights Khabib or Tony Ferguson or Kevin Lee or, or Malinaj or whoever it is, I think that almost regardless of how this Mayweather fight goes, there will be a lot of people who will, who will stay on the bandwagon and, and brand new people that may have never even heard of Conor McGregor, but they've just been so sucked into his, his celebrity and just been so interested by him that um, I think regardless, this will 
definitely, definitely make him a bigger star after this fight, regardless of the outcome. And that's something that I didn't think was going to happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. No, yeah, for sure. And yeah, you know, I'm on the same train as you. You know, I want to see McGregor win as well. And you know, a lot of people are talking about boxing versus MMA, and this wins, that wins. You know, for me, let's not beat around the bush. Boxing wins here a hundred percent because first of all. If Mayweather wins, all right, boxing's great, blah, blah, blah. But if McGregor wins, you know, I bet, you know, I, I actually think boxing wins even more because then you get McGregor to st- – Floyd Mayweather barely has any fights left. I reckon this will probably be his last fight. I doubt he'll fight again. And once he's gone, the world of boxing is not going to be the same because you don't get those big pay-per-view buys. Conor McGregor, if he wins, he sticks around in boxing. There's no doubt about it. He's not going back to MMA. So boxing wins from the from the standpoint of people care about boxing again. They buy pay per views again. He builds up some other fighters. The guys that he fights get more notoriety. So at the end of the day, boxing wins in in a huge way. And you know it's it's not a bad thing for us for boxing or MMA to win. It's not like the, It's not like uh, some kind of crazy thing where you know one has to win and one has to lose. In a lot of ways, both are, are going to win at in this fight. And it's it's funny how this Polly Malinaji thing has come up and now it kind of looks like possibly the fight that will happen for McGregor if he does lose against Mayweather and it doesn't even look like you know a return to MMA is going to be that likely but we'll see what happens then guys we want to thank you for joining us on the program a quick thanks to our guest Bas Rutten, Dave Melter, Adam Lobov, Luke Thomas, Tommy Toehold for coming on and Damon Martin for breaking down this whole John Jones situation with us we do have a special little extra episode that's going to be dropping early next week. It's going to be dropping, Casper, what, I believe around Monday, Tuesday in Australia? Yeah, so and- we'll, be, yeah, we'll, we'll be recording at Monday here, our time. It should be up shortly after that. So it should be, it should be Monday in America and, and probably really, really early Tuesday in Australia. Well, there you guys go. So you guys have that to look forward to. Sean Sheen will be on the bill for that one. We'll be breaking down mm-hmm. all the action from the Floyd Mayweather-McGregor fight. Until then... Find a comfy couch, find a good bunch of friends, find the delicious snacks, and enjoy the hostilities this weekend, my friends. To borrow a term from our friend Robin Black, we will be back with our post show early next week. Stay safe.